Welcome to The Wrong Side of the Maelstrom, a Warhammer 40,000 podcast based in southern Ontario. My name's Ian, and my co-host Jason will be joining me shortly, just as soon as he's finished his sacrifices to the Horned Rat. This is episode 13, and tonight we'll be focusing on a tournament debrief. I did an interview with Tyler and West, friends from the Maelstrom and local Windsorites uh, that are members of the Greater Windsor Table Warriors. So uh, stay tuned from that. They participate in the Canhammer Team Tournament up in Cambridge a few weeks ago. Uh, before we get to that, though, we start off with some hobby progress and games played. We do um, a segment with no name, talking about various subjects. And we have news from the front focusing on Jason's Colorax campaign. Plus, we uh, top it all off with some Beyond the Rim. Be sure to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash wrong side of the maelstrom. We're also on iToysoldiers at itoysoldiers.com slash wrong dash side dash maelstrom. If you wish to contact us via email, we can be reached at wrong side of the maelstrom at gmail.com. Finally, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Right now we have a Finish Your Army Hobby Challenge going on. You can sign up at itoysoldiers.com. We're asking folks to uh, submit a list of models that they'd like to complete, and it's going on until August, at which point we're going to have like a narrative games day where people bring out their fully painted-based miniatures. And we're going to give away trophies for best painted, most painted, most based, those sort of things. And we're, There's going to be one in Toronto, one in Windsor. Also... Brimstone Games in Windsor has a miniatures night on Tuesday, so be sure to check that out. If you're local to Windsor, join the Greater Windsor Table Warriors over at itoysoldiers.com and come out to their regular club days to get some games in. Jason's home store is the Games Workshop at Young Lawrence, so check that out too. Finally, uh, by the time this airs, and most people in Windsor at least know, I'll be uh, moving to the Greater Toronto area. It's uh, really sad to see the city of Windsor go. It's been my home for over a decade now, and a lot of people were... Uh, expressed to me how sad they were to see me go. So, just want to say thank you to every member of the Greater Windsor Table Warriors for being a fantastic community to me and everyone else there. And I'm sure you'll continue to do great things. But yeah, um, couldn't ask for a better group of gamers to play games with and roll some dice. So, um, with the internet today, you know, we're going to stay in touch. I'll still be on iToy Soldiers and doing this podcast, but uh, yeah. Thanks to everyone. Thanks to everyone who uh, made Warhammer awesome in Windsor. So, without further ado, please enjoy tonight's episode, and we'll see you on the wrong side of the maelstrom. So, yeah, moving to Toronto, well, King City, and then hopefully moving to the city. Yeah. But, yeah, so that's been a big change. I'm going back next week to Windsor for the final shuffle. Yeah, you're, hopefully, bringing, you're bringing back a truck to load it. Yeah, up hopefully it's only one truck. Otherwise, it's going to be a pain in the ass. <laughs> it is a long drive, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so, I mean, it's, it's strange because, like, you've... 
I mean, you've had a big hand in like creating such a gaming community in Windsor. Mm-hmm. But I think you're gonna really enjoy the gaming community here in Toronto. I mean, you enjoy the times that you come and just play games, but being here full time, I think you're really gonna. Yeah, it's. I mean, I'll, I'll we'll talk about it a little later, but like I went to a couple stores near my more north house. of where I live. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm moving back in with my folks until I get like settled and can find a new place and stuff. So yeah. I went to stores in like the G, like northern GTA, GTA mm-hmm. and uh, it's kind of it's weird because in Windsor it's like okay we've. One store yeah. that has a big GW, a yeah. second store which I frankly don't enjoy some of the people who frequent there mm-hmm. and who have very little GW. And then I've been to one store in Michigan which is pretty good, but mm-hmm. with the exchange rate, it's really expensive. Yeah. So yeah, but here in Toronto, like lots of stores, man, lots of stores. Yeah, there's like. Four I've been to in the city. Mm-hmm. Is X Games in the city or is that different? Mississauga, but I mean, yeah. it's not far. I mean, there's no difference between the stores that like you've checked out and yeah, okay. X Planet, yeah. X Planet, right. I always call it X Games. <laughs> Planet X. Yeah, anyway, so there's like six stores in easy distance yeah. that have like gaming tables and mm-hmm. carry 40K. It's cool too in that, like, since you have so many stores, so many options to go to, if one store doesn't have what you're looking for, like a specific model, Instead of ordering it online and having to wait like the week and a half or a week that it's going to take to get here, I mean, mm-hmm. okay, I say week and a half. If you order it at GW on like a Tuesday, it's going to come in by Friday. But let's say you don't order from there, you order somewhere else, right? You can just call up another store and be like, hey, do you yeah. have this model? There's a good chance that if one store doesn't have it, another store yeah, might. that's true. Well, I, uh, you wouldn't have heard of this. Most of the people from Windsor will probably know this, but um, Brimstone's moving to Tecumseh and... Moy. Yeah, you had mentioned that they were moving to me, yeah. Yeah, and there's another game store a block down. Mm-hmm. Oh, from where they're moving to? Yeah, like oh, they're really? a competitor, essentially. Oh, like really? These, <laughs> yeah, so CG Realms is at Tecumseh Hall, yeah. and Brimstone will be at Tecumseh Moy, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I'm moving, but that's also right next to my dry cleaners, which would have been convenient. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> um, and they, uh, and I was saying to, uh, I, I, well, I was talking to the owner, Sean, I'm like, dude, there's going to be a turf war. And Sean of Brimstone was like, no, no, it's, this is good. Like, yeah, yeah. It'll create a destination for gaming. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And it's like, if we don't have it, they'll go to CG and vice versa. Yeah, so, definitely. Um, it's good for the community. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, let's uh, let's get into things. Let's do a little bit of uh, hobby progress. You want to start off? Sure. It's been about, what, three weeks since we recorded, I think? Oh, don't say that. I haven't got that much. <laughs> So, I've been a little occupied, like, you know, uh, collecting debts, settling scores and yeah. stuff, getting ready to move, but... Uh, <laughs> Gotta break some legs before you move. You yeah, know. <laughs> you know. No, um, I work on my Terminators, my Assault Terminators. Uh, I just need to do a final red highlight and mm-hmm. the banner, and then they're pretty much done, except right for on. basing. So, I've been working on the banner a lot. It's the Dark Angels Terminator banner. Mm-hmm. So, I was looking through the book with that, but it looks good, because it's like... A lightning bolt hitting the mountain, and below it is an angel with a broken sword. So the it's one of the banners that's already has the details on it. Yes. Oh okay. yeah, it's. The, I like those, man, because like, remember when I used to play? Obviously, way back in the day, the banners you would get would just be like blank banners, mm-hmm. and it's like paint it yourself. And it's like, well, I'm not that good of a painter. Back then, right? Yeah. Now, now I could probably paint something, but back then it it used to just get painted like white and just mm-hmm. left like that. Yeah, it's good because they're easy to paint. Uh, I still want to get some, um, like, blank Some blanks, yeah, yeah. Like the Forge World HQs and shit kits that mm-hmm. are, like, a champion and a uh, standard bearer mm-hmm. thing. I want to get 
one of those for each. I kind of want to have like the headquarters for each uh, company of my chapter. Oh, that's cool, yeah. It's so, like a captain, a champion, a standard bearer. Mm-hmm. And those I feel like I could paint. But I mean, it doesn't need anything fancy. You just you do geometric designs, just like half it red, half it white or something. Yeah, yeah, something basic like that. You don't have to add in like swords and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so I'm working on the Terminator banner. Uh, I'm running an APOC game, sort of like an end of the campaign slash going away yeah. thing. So I get to see everyone in the club before I leave. And I've been building up fortress terrain mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, so. you showed me some uh, photos of what you were working on, yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty basic, but I don't have a whole lot of time to do it. So mm-hmm. it's out of foam core. I'm making four homemade bunker uh, bastions, like octagons. Yeah. And four wall pieces and a gate. And that'll be like what the Imperium is defending. I think it's going to look really cool, man. Really, really cool. Yeah. I've been doing, like one of the techniques I use, I get a some tin foam rolled up in a rough ball and then roll that over the foam core to give it like a yeah, rough that's, texture. Yeah, that's a really cool idea, yeah. And then that helps in, like when you're dry brushing it picks up details. Yeah, exactly. Just so. adding that deep, all the different levels to it. Um, yeah. Have you thought about how you're going to like set up the table? Like, so they're defending this like fortress line, right? This wall. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about like maybe pushing that up a little bit so that enemies can still deep strike behind the wall. Cause that seems more realistic, yeah. right? That you can deep strike behind the wall a little bit. As opposed to if you just kept the wall like six inches or 12 inches, I think 12 to, I think 12 to 16 inches from the one table edge, I think is a good distance away. Oh way. yeah. Like it's going to be set up like a half circle. It's not even going to take up like the, the wall's not going to take up the whole table. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're so the wall sections are like eight or 10 inches. And then the, Bastion pieces are like four to six inches wide, mm-hmm. so that'll be probably like 16 to 18 inches in a semicircle. Right on. So maybe more or less. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. It needs to fit a uh, Aquila strong point in there, plus other stuff. Yeah, so because yeah. what I think we're gonna do is the defenders will have a Aquila strong point, the attackers will have a, a execution force. Oh, free. Cool. Yeah. Which I have all the models for that, and I want yeah. to paint it, which leads into the last bit of hobby progress. Yep. Calidus Assassin. Yeah, man, it just looked pretty cool. Yeah, so I went with the, uh, it's the base model. I didn't do any conversions in this one. And I painted her, like, skin suit, just like a stark white. Yeah. Because I saw something online, and I thought that looked really cool, a lot different than all the other ones I've seen. And I gave it a purple instead of green for the sword and the gun. Yeah, the sword's looking really good. Yeah, and some like blondish, like straw blonde hair, mm-hmm. and uh, green eyes, which you helped me on. You did the pupils on the eyes. Yeah, yeah. So, like I was saying, I think you just need to do a um, like a gloss coat over top of the suit, and it would give it that like latex look to it. Yeah, I think um, it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm probably gonna end up doing that, but uh, I gotta paint the Evasaur and the uh, two other ones too. Mm-hmm. Also, I wanted to mention on that model, you. Finally started doing a bit of basing on some of your models. Yeah, I'm trying to do basing first mm-hmm. now so that I can spray like it gets primed prime prime the rest of the yeah. model. So mm-hmm. And it looks really good, man. Yeah. Well, she's she's jumping she's like jumping off this like piece that's jutting out of the center and then you have all this rubble around it. Yeah. Well, that the, it actually really looks like a destroyed city. Yeah, the she's piece she's jumping off of comes with the kit. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. It, yeah, it fits really well. Mm-hmm. And you said the cal- uh, the Calexus too. It really brings them all. Yeah, together. before we talked about that on the last episode, that mm-hmm. it kind of looked a bit like a surfboarder because it was just like this this empty base and this like piece of terrain shooting yeah. out of it that kind of looked like a bit of a surfboard. And then he's like on it, kind of bent, crouched over. Yeah. But now with all the other rubble on top of it, you don't get that surfboard feel to the piece of terrain yeah. that he's standing on. Well, maybe I'll strip the rocks and make waves on there. <laughs> but uh, I haven't based the other ones yet. Right. But uh, yeah, 
So I got, I probably won't base the other two before I paint them just because I need to get them done. Yeah. I don't want my basing crap with me. Yeah. Right. What about you? What do you got? So I have actually kind of busted my ass over the last like three weeks. Man. I went like into hardcore hobby mode because I really wanted to get my granites done. Mm -hmm. Um, cause they've just been kind of sitting around. I was doing them like really slowly and I was like, you know what? I want to make them playable. So the first thing I did was I like made a bunch of bases. Yeah. Well, I built all the models first. So I built a Terminator squad. I built a, uh, I don't remember in the last episode if I built my Dreadnought yet. I think I had bought it, but I don't think I had built it. I don't think so. So I built it. Um, and then I did all the base colors on it. I think we recorded right before, like the weekend before the 35th anniversary mm -hmm. thing. So I think it was during that yeah. week that and I had just, like built it up. It, and yeah. I didn't do that great of a job on the base. I still have to, but it was, it was for an event. So mm -hmm. I just like put on, um, Astral Granite, I think it's called. It's a gray GW texture paint. Yeah. Um, I just put that on the base of it. Mm -hmm. So it's not like my other bases, but I'm going to end up now. I'm going to fill it up because I found out that like, cause the bases that I use, it's all like, um, secret weapon resin bases yeah, and then add rubble to them and stuff like that. So it looks like a ruined city, but I actually, I made a custom base for a librarian that I did and mm -hmm. I just use cork board to, uh, I just use cork to make like kind of like ruins a little mm -hmm. bit, right? Levels like collapsed building. And then on the part of the regular base, just the regular black base, I put that astral stuff and then I painted it black and dry brushed it and it mm -hmm. made it look like a rubbled hmm. like street. So yeah. I might do that as well with this, is it make it a whole street, the flat base, yeah. and then add like maybe a little car or something like that to That'd it. That'd be cool. Mm -hmm. uh, so I did that, I got a... Um, you just, a... sorry, you should just like crushing a skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I had five more strike squad guys left, but I was like, you know what, I need something that's a little bit faster because it's like a close, co close combat army. Uh, so I wanted to make an interceptor squad. But interceptor squads are cost more money, cost more points. Right? Yeah. So I decided I'd magnetize the backpacks. Mm -hmm. So now I can use them either as a strike squad or as an interceptor squad. And I would just run the exact WYSIWYG um, weapons that are on them anyways. I yeah, usually yeah. run like double falchions. Mm -hmm. Although I gave my terminators uh, halberds because I realized the plus two strength with the four gives them six yeah, automatically. You can get up to eight. With you can get up to eight, but even six on its own, like unless you're rolling up against toughness four enemies... Like, a lot of armies of Toughness 3, you're already yeah. insta-killing. I don't even need to cast Force. Yeah. Right? And against Toughness 4, you're wounding on 2s. Yeah, right? exactly. So. so if I don't get it off, you're still wounding like crazy. Um, mm -hmm. So that's different. And I've been impressed with them so far. They do really well in close combat. Um, yeah. when, they, when they get in close combat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Talk about that later. But uh, I've been trying to convert a little bit more as well. Like, one of my interceptors, I kind of got mm -hmm. tired of, like, the double falchions. Because there's only so many poses you can do with, like, the two swords and the arms that are provided. Yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong. That Strike Squad kit is fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. All the Grey Knight kits are amazing. There's, like, so many poses, so many extra bits afterwards that you have left over. Mm -hmm. um, but I took a halberd for the Strike Squad guy, or for the Interceptor guy, and I made it a double-sided halberd. Mm -hmm. So I counted it as double falchions. But it yeah. looks cool. It's way different than, like, the other models. Yeah, it looks really sweet. Mm -hmm. And then I, um, I bought a... Librarian, just a regular Space Marine librarian in Terminator armor. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to make them different. I really wanted to make him like a Grey Knights librarian and like clearly a Grey Knights librarian, not like oh he's a he's that librarian model that you painted silver. Yeah, yeah. So I um, changed out the the right arm, which was normally had a, like a storm bolter. Yeah. I changed that out and gave him the Nemesis uh, Force Tape. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then I took the other arm that was normally carrying the stave that the model comes with, and I gave him, like, Grey Knight Storm Bolter on the wrist, and he's kind mm -hmm. of doing, like, a force choke a little bit. But, nice. the, but the big thing that I did was I cored out the head, because the way the model is, there's, like, a back piece and then a front piece, and you put them together, and on the front piece, the head is already molded yeah. in there. So it took me, like, an hour of, like, coring out slowly the head that was in there and just demolishing it, which honestly is the scariest process because you're like, shit, man, I just spent like 40 bucks on this model. Yeah. If I mess this up, I there's no way to get around this. This is a whole front piece that you now need to get a new head in there, right? Yeah. And then I shaved down a Grey Knight's head and I shoved it in there. Like a like, helmet. A helmet, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I don't, we've talked about this before on the podcast, I'm not a big fan of like bare heads yeah. in 40K. I like everyone to be wearing, uh, I mean, unless it's like, a special character or something like that. Even then, I personally like helmeted. I like helmeted people too, but like I'll, I'll give way to like Marnius Kalgar or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no one would take their helmet off in a battle <laughs> unless they were like some badass named guy. Yeah. Uh, but he's looking awesome, man. I just need to finish painting them. So I think this week I'm going to like really work on that. Yeah. Uh, my buddy West, who we have on later in the podcast talking about the Can Hammer tournament. Yeah. He was running White Scars and he ran the Con model. But he switched it out with like a plumed head, cool. kind of like the ones I run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it looks really good. Nice. I want to run. That Did he put photos of, of that up on iToy Soldiers? Uh, he said he was going to, so I'll follow up with him. Cool. I'll have to. It should be up by the time this airs. I'll have so. to check that out. Yeah. But then I have one big buy that was kind of on a random splurge. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I got a uh, Imperial Knight. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've built it. I still have to magnetize one of the arms so I can change out the. Uh, the lowdown stuff. Yeah, the, the Gatlin Cannon or the Chainsword. Mm -hmm. Which I've been told that you either go like Power Fist, Chainsword, or all guns. I've heard that you don't really go don't one know. and the other. But we'll see. I mean, it's still a work in progress. I still need to magnetize everything. I still have to paint it. We're running a, um, at GW, we're running like a Night Wrestling League. Yeah, I heard. With the Renegade rules. Mm -hmm. um, which is pretty cool for anyone that watches wrestling. <laughs> if you don't, this. This joke is going to go completely over your head. But I'm making a Kevin Owens night. So I'm actually going to make him like a little tank top that is going to like go over God. top of him that's going to say KO on it. Just because yeah. I'm a big Kevin Owens fan. <laughs> because but he has that like stocky kind of feel to him, right? He, uh, yeah. I'll show you a photo of Kevin Owens later. It's okay. going to make sense and it's going to be hilarious. Okay. But I'm going to paint him Grey Knight. So I'm going to do like the silver with the gold lining on the shoulder pads and everything. Mm -hmm. Maybe add, I do like a dark maroon red instead of like a regular red. Yeah. So I'll probably end up doing that on some of the shoulder pads and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's much more of like a regal red. Yeah, yeah. Than, uh, than Is it like the red you got here on the uh, Dread Knight? Yeah, a little okay. bit more like that, yeah. Yeah, very deep, very mm -hmm. dark. Uh, but yeah, that's all I've done. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know about the knights being close combat or shooty because they're super heavies. You can fire different targets. Yeah. So what you could do is fire, like, if instead of the Gatling gun here, if you have a chainsword on there, which is good because it's strength D, right? Yeah. It's really handy. You could fire the uh, battle cannon at something and then take the little heavy stubber, fire it at the unit you want to charge. Mm -hmm. Just to shoot something at them, right? Yeah, exactly. And then you can charge mm -hmm. either unit. Mm -hmm. Or if you're close enough to charge the flamer that's on it, apparently, but I don't even see it with the flamer. flamer. Yeah, apparently there's a flamer on it. I don't know where it is. Maybe I forgot to put it on. <laughs> we'll look at it afterwards yeah. and try and figure out. But yeah, um, hobby goals. What do you want to work on in the next little bit? You're gonna be real busy uh, with moving. Yeah, I was gonna say I want to pack things. That's my <laughs> hobby goal. Uh, okay, my hobby goal will be to 
make a deal with my parents that I ha- can set up a table somewhere in the house permanently. <laughs> and, and to finish your fortress terrain that you're working on. Yeah, the, the, yes. Yeah. That kind of goes without saying. But yeah, I want to set up like... Uh, my like my parents live out in the country and they have like a barn and stuff. So yeah. I feel like it's just full of junk. Mm-hmm. Like just old furniture and shit. So I feel like I can sh- must be able to shift some of that out of the way. You really could get a few tubs in there to just put terrain in and then a folding table to... Yeah, and just set up some shelves. Yeah. Like, I have a full 6x4 table mm-hmm. on saw horses. It would be an awesome place to game during the summer. Yeah, otherwise, I don't know, set it up on the pool table or something. Yeah. In its house. <laughs> so, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my hobby goals. What about you? I want to... I need to finish my night, because I want to have it painted mm-hmm. for the... Um... For the, wrestling, for the wrestling league. Get it right. <laughs> Sorry. The GWWE. Yeah, exactly. I actually want to make a championship belt. And instead of like, if anyone knows wrestling, the championship belt has like, because it's WWE, so it has like a W, like a double W kind of. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, but I want to make one similar, but then it has a GW with the W over the top yeah. of it. Um, but yeah, so I want to finish that. Um, I probably should just leave it at that. But I also want to finish the librarian as well. Yeah, you want to send some pics of him in, right? To, yeah, you know, we've talked about this before that I'm, like, so hooked on Warhammer Visions. And they do have, like, ads all over the place being like, yo, send us your pictures, mm-hmm. right? And they also, GW, on their Facebook page, just released a few, a few days ago, or maybe a week ago, this uh, guide to, like, taking nice pictures of your models. Yeah. And, like, how you should, they, these are the backdrops you should use. Avoid using the flash. I mean... I've worked in the film industry, so I understand, like, lighting and stuff, like yeah. how to light something properly. But it's nice that, like, it's like a four-page little pamphlet on mm-hmm. how to take photos, of your, how to take nice photos of your models. Yeah. No, so I'm going to start taking some photos of uh, this librarian, because it is a cool conversion. I think just the conversion points alone yeah. gives it a chance of... It, I just need to make a better base than the one that I have for it right now. The one that I have for it is all right, mm-hmm. but I want to make it. It's like, if I'm going to go and put all my effort, like... Just make this paint this model to the best that I can paint it. Yeah, I might as well like put the same effort into a base for it. Yeah, well, I think it's a centerpiece for your army. It's a really cool conversion. Yeah, it needs to stand out. Mm-hmm. And so far, he looks really good. Like, yeah, I like the blue cloak. The yeah, I decided to do a awesome. blue cloak on him instead of like a red one or something like that, just because he's a librarian. So yeah, and, and then their, co- their codex com- or is it codex compliant or anyways? I don't know their codex compliant. They've like. Terminators as troops. And yeah, I know. <laughs> psychers. I read somewhere online that they were, but they probably try to be. I yeah. guess. So, so the blue helps with yeah. that. Yeah. All right. Um, games played. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go first? All right. So, uh, the first game I'm going to talk about is against my buddy Dom, who I've mentioned on the show a bunch of times because we play all the time. Yeah. Uh, we ran a. I think it was 2000. I was running Blood Angels. He was running. Um, Corsair, Eldar. Yep. Primary Corsair. Corsair and Craft World. Yeah. So, I was trying out the new psychic powers from the book, and... Were you just going randomly, or did you pick no, a discipline? I, no, I went specifically formation. I yeah. allied in a conclave with three level twos. Because <laughs> obviously, if anyone doesn't know about the new powers, there's one that allows you to swap a unit, mm-hmm. and the unit that gets swapped... So let's let's say you have a unit within one inch, within six inches of an enemy. You then swap these units within twenty-four inches of each other. I Eighteen believe or twenty-four. Yeah. yeah, and the unit that gets swapped can charge that turn. Yeah. So I draw a pod in a tactical squad, 
my Terminator librarian swaps plate swaps the assault termies with the tackle squad. Now they can charge. That charge turn. first turn, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was going to be an awesome thing because I got multiple, like two of my librarians were all the five. Mm -hmm. And I set up planning for this awesome kick ass. And then we went for grab some food. And I realized that six was the power I needed. <laughs> and I hand rolled a single damn six out of all three librarians. Do you remember which one five was? Yeah, it was the one where you uh, move a unit 18 inches. Oh, it's also very good. That's the one that I've drawn most of the times. So we'll talk about a game afterwards that we played that I did get the one where you can yeah. charge. But the other two games that I've played, I've gotten the 18 inch one. And I love it, man. It's. You have to be a little bit more strategic with it in that you're not, you can't charge the turn, mm. but a jump unit can move 12 inches, still be within 18 inches of the librarian. The librarian can throw them an additional 18 inches. Yeah. You're getting a 30-inch move. Yeah, they don't have the to end within 18 inches of the librarian. No, they don't have to. The yeah, they just move eight, within yeah. 18 inches of the librarian, and then they can move 18 inches. Yeah. So that came in handy for, like, we were playing Maelstrom, so I would, like, pick up a Rhino and mm -hmm. move it on to an objective. And it's only Warp Charge 2 as well. It's a, it's a dirty power. Yeah. So, funny story, uh, Wings of Sanguinous, which is a sanguinary discipline power mm -hmm. from the Blood Angels Codex. Same power. Yeah. Warp Charge 2 as well. Yeah. But you only move them 12 inches. Oh, okay. Yeah, so just a shittier version. Yeah, I was yeah. going through the psychic powers, and I realized, like, half or more than half of the Blood Angel Psychic Powers are mm -hmm. shittier versions of rulebook powers. <laughs> Have you looked at some of the librarious ones? Yeah. I've, I've, looked, pretty good I've looked through all of them. I think... Oh, I, I sent you a text when I was reading the book, and it was something like, yeah, there are some like absolutely batshit broken powers in mm -hmm. here, but so many of them are just fucking garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, each tree probably has one or two game-breaking powers, and the rest of them are pretty meh. So, um, I, I'm i still, lately I've been rolling on, like, Divination when I'm playing, like, a league game mm -hmm, or something. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. What's your take on them? I, good? I love them. I, I use uh, Fulmination in almost every single... Maybe hmm. maybe it's because I'm, like, I'm an electrician. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I draw to it. But um, I find between the... Uh, the the Primaris is even pretty good. I think it's like a... It's just a witch fire, isn't it? Yeah, but it's an AP3. Oh, um, yeah. I think it's an AP3 Assault 6 I think, fire. I think my favorite power in that book is a Fist of Lightning. Which is which one? It's like the most metal one. Oh. <laughs> but it's on Fulmination, and your Psyker gets plus one to strength and attack. And for each, like, hits you land or wound or something, you get two extra attacks to strength right. yeah, five yeah, AP yeah. nil. I was playing them against uh, Jesse for a campaign game, mm -hmm. and every psyche phase, I'm like, Fists of Lightning! <laughs> <laughs> like, my librarian's going in punching You just need an electric guitar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, there's also a cool one, which is similar to the Primaris, but it's Assault D6, but units that are within, like, six inches, I think, of it. Oh, I think get hit as well. On a four plus, get hit with yeah, D6 as well. It's like arcing lightning. Yeah, yeah so. which is kind of cool, too. Um, yeah. Like, the, there's a lot of them in there that are really cool. It's just, if I'm, you, you need essentially, you essentially need Tigarius because he is really guaranteed to get that. So if you need a, you need to invest a fair number of points to pull off a combination with them. Mm -hmm. I want to try using the, um, the Librarius or Librarium table soon. The Librarius table? Like that yeah. discipline? Yeah, mm -hmm. that one's good. What about uh, your next game? Uh, oh, just posted note. Dom kicked my ass that game. <laughs> um... Next game I want to talk about is a big team game. Dan had wanted to play me before I moved away at a club day. 
but there were some other guys there, so we ended up uh, doing a team game with the four of us, two on two, twenty five hundred each. We randomized the teams. It was me and Dan, Dan running Space Marines, versus Dom running a similar list like Craft World, Corsair, Eldar, and Dan running Vanilla Space Marines. I don't remember which. Uh, not Dan, sorry, Ben running Vanilla Space Marines. Which chap? I don't know what chapter tax he was using. Yeah, I was running like a double land raider list with a uh, Wolfen. Uh, oh right, cool. so. That was a really fun game. We got uh, lots of assault. You're a proxy. Awesome. Are you haven't bought Wolfen models yet? I, I have the Stormcast models. I haven't. Oh, that's right. Yet. You were gonna go Stormcast with double uh, lightning, like lightning claws yeah. and stuff. So I just proxy my Death Company mm-hmm. when I'm doing that. Uh, that doesn't work now so much with my the new FAQ because I can't start the Wolfen in the Land Raiders. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But we'll, yeah, we'll talk about that afterwards. Yeah. But uh, Dan took, like, the brunt of their shooting. They had first turn, so mm-hmm. he lost, like, a knight, turn one, I think, and, like, a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. But And then Dan's, our Ben Skyhammer came in, and it was just, like, dirty. But we also had two units of Graf Centurions, and those did work. And nice. So it kind of balanced. It was a pretty close game. I think we lost, or we either lost or didn't count up the score. I don't remember. <laughs> but I think they won, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, but that was a lot of fun. Um, ben, if you're listening, I got really frustrated at one point in the game. I'm sorry. I was having a rough day. <laughs> nothing to do with you. <laughs> I got to like, send him a message just like, hey, buddy, you were cool, right? Because all three of those guys are awesome people. I'm going to miss them. Right on, man. But uh, my last game was a league game against uh, Big J. So Big J is like, um, one of the ambassadors at Brimstone mm-hmm. for board games, I believe. And he's just getting back into... Oh, right on. Uh, 40K, cool. but he used to work for, like, GW and stuff oh, at really? the uh, headquarters or Battle Bunker in Canada or mm-hmm. something like that. So he, he knows a lot about, like, the history and stuff, but he doesn't know the current rules. Yeah, so it was kind of a slower teaching game. Mm-hmm. He was running all terrains. I love games like that, man. Yeah, no, it was fun. He was running all terrains. I was running uh, Raven Guard chapter tactics with a Skyhammer and, like, a Kalexis. Like, really, the list I've been, like, honing for weeks. yeah. That actually didn't do super well. <laughs> like ben tabled me in our first game. <laughs> but um, I had uh, one assault sergeant, veteran assault sergeant with a power axe, go a total of 13 rounds of close combat during that game. And he survived the game. Nice. <laughs> uh, his whole squad died, but he survived. him and his squad, him specifically, because a lot of this was in challenges, took out a librarian two sergeants, a tactical squad, and a devastator squad. <laughs> nice. And he just would not die. Yeah. And this is like my like quickly kit-bashed uh, sergeant, so I'd have a WYSIWYG Space Marine sergeant, because all my assault sergeants have like infernal and flame, hand yeah. flame, infernal pistols and hand flamers. And I'm just like, didn't even put like a sergeant crest on his helmet and yeah. stuff. And yeah. His so you name, don't get to regale the story ever again. Because he's not actually part of your army. Oh, he is now. <laughs> oh, I'm ripping that head off and putting. Him on. <laughs> well, I'm gonna give him a thing nice. now and actually paint him and stuff. His name is Quintus. I had to name him after that. So, yeah, Assault Sergeant Quintus. Yeah, I see that written 13, down. Yeah, there, I put yeah. it in the notes. <laughs> Assault Sergeant Quintus went 13 rounds of close combat without dying. Killed a <laughs> librarian, several veteran sergeants with like power weapons and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. owned. And you know what I think it was. The axe he has is actually Dante's axe. Because I used to have Dante, but like yeah. I only pieces of him now. <laughs> so in fact, that was the only power so axe So you're saying I that's had. why. It's not that you rolled well. It's that 
He had Dante's axe, so... Well, it took him a while to kill that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, it lasted, but it it took his time, right? (laughs) Alright, what about... What games have you been playing? Um, Okay, so since I've busted out all those Grey Knights, that's, like, all I've been rocking lately. Good. I play my Tau in my Kill Team games, Mm -hmm. um, but I talked about my Kill Team games last episode, so I really wanted to get back into, like, playing some 40k, Mm -hmm. but I only had a 1,000 points of Grey Knights, so you kind of have to arrange a 1,000 point games beforehand. Because, I don't know, I find it. You tell people, like, okay, hey, are you cool with playing 1,000 points? And, like, the normal reaction you get is, hey, could you could we play, like, 1,500? Right? Well, just, you say, no, can you take 500 off your yeah, list? Yeah, exactly, yeah. But I really like 1,000-point games. Uh, we were talking about this the other day, that I feel like you really have to, like, you can take one thing that you really want to take. Yeah. And then you kind of have to work around, like, having a normal list to make 1,000 points. Yeah, because if you're running like a space marine army, and probably more so in Grey Knights, like two Kindedal tactical squads in HQ, you're looking at about half your points. Yeah, well, in my so, thousand points of Grey Knights, I think it's like sixteen models or something like that. Yeah, well, like, seventeen because it's your army minus the knight. Right? That's right. Yeah, so seventeen models. Yeah, yeah, yeah. eighteen models. Yeah, I think it's seventeen models. Yeah. Um, so my first game that I played was against Mike, and he was rocking his Necrons. Um, really good game, man. Yeah, I, I think we were playing tactical escalation. I but feel I like imagine, that was right. I imagine it's hard to get Decurion in a thousand. Yeah, no, he wasn't. I don't think he. No, he wasn't rocking Decurion. He was just walking, rocking just a cat. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, real friendly game. He knew it was my first game with my Grey Knights, but uh, you know what? I got like absolutely wrecked, like the first two turns to the point where I was like, "Oh crap!" Like I think I lost an interceptor squad like right off the bat. I mm-hmm. lost a fair amount of a strike squad and I just like at that point I was like oh crap now I realize how this army works yeah it's, everything is like super expensive and everything like you can't like once you start losing a squad you're playing at a huge disadvantage yeah so I went into like super strategic mode mm. which I realize now is how this army has to be played you really have to like okay, I'm gonna hide here and then plan my assault in two turns yeah. from now and stuff like that and also with the, uh, like I drew the power where you can push a unit up 18 inches. So using that, throwing guys here, throwing guys there and right, stuff. Right. Um, so, and I was also using the uh, supremacy cards, the new, oh, yeah. which are like super key for Grey Knights because it's a close combat army. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are like get two points for killing this in close combat, for killing a troop choice or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I was losing like... I think it was like nine to one or something like oh, that. Like Jesus. I was losing huge. Yeah. And I drew, I had one turn that was a seven point turn. Whoa. That just like got me right back into the game. Yeah. I had four models left on the board. I had one, um, strike squad guy. I had one terminator with a librarian and I had my dread knight and I got this objective, which was hold two even and two odds. Well, <laughs> so my librarian, <laughs> so I had, so the strike guy could, um, move within six inches. He could move within three inches of the one objective. So yeah. he moved there. Um, the Dread Knight moved forward and there was a squad holding another objective, but I knew that the great, that the Dread Knight could just chop him down in close yeah. combat, right? So he got close enough to be able to assault him, mm-hmm. wipe that unit out. But there was a key moment where I had to pull my librarian away from the Terminator mm-hmm. because they were close to one objective. And then I had to use that power to throw the... Uh, Library. Throw the no to throw the um, terminator. Okay. To throw him eighteen inches onto the other objective in dangerous terrain. 
But it all worked, everything worked out perfectly. I got like the four, I forget what it is. It's, oh, it's D3 plus three or something like that. Oh, that's pretty good. So I ended up getting like four points on that. Plus I drew like hold objective this, hold objective that. Yeah, so yeah. Was, everything worked out. Yeah, man. And so the game ended up being uh, 14 to 13 loss for myself. But it was wow. just like, when the game went five full turns, five or six turns, I think, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And we just like fought to the very end, man. Uh, but like I said, in the end, I only had like two models on the table. Like <laughs> the, those, I sacrificed that Terminator and that Strike Squad guy, and then my librarian, just so I wouldn't lo lose like uh, Slay the Slay Warlord. Yeah. I started jumping himself eighteen inches, yeah. like, and I got Line Breaker because I jumped them all the way to his <laughs> side of the table. <laughs> um, but I'm really learning that that Dread Knight is just like a beast, man. Yeah, super hard to kill. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I played Sam the next week. Uh, he was rocking his Salamanders, and I mean, I'm just rocking like the same list every week. Yeah, I just, yeah. Like a take on all comers list. And I have like incinerators in my army. Oh shit! Salamanders get like a four plus feel no feel pain. pain against them, right? Yeah. Um, that was a little frustrating, but it was still it was a great game. Uh, I ended up winning that one, but I forget what the score was. He had a storm talon, and I didn't have any anti air, so mm. I kind of. But he was using it in hover mode, so he could take objectives. So I was taking shots at it and stuff. Yeah. But I just wasn't landing because he was jinking with it because it was just like an objective grabber for the uh, most part. Oh okay. Um, so he's jinking and like getting in behind my line when I was pushing up and grabbing those objectives and stuff. Mm -hmm. But because the objectives are all placed in terrain, he had to take difficult terrain checks and stuff. Yeah. And he immobilized himself, so he crashed. <laughs> so I was like, okay, that, that deals with it. <laughs> I ended up, That's playing, fine. I ended up yeah. winning that game. So the army was like 50, 50. Yeah. And then, uh, we played a game on Saturday. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So you told me 1500 points and you've got a surprise for me. Yeah. I didn't tell you that I got the night. Yeah. But the night bumped me up to a fifteen hundred yeah. point list now, yeah. But and I it's not a super competitive list either. But. No, but I didn't know what I was up against. I thought Storm Surge might be on the table. Yeah, because I had mentioned Cal. to you that I was thinking about picking up a Storm Surge. Yeah, and you didn't tell me what army you were playing. So yeah, like, exactly. Okay, well, I'm. I've been listening a lot to the Splinter Mind, which was an awesome Dark Elder Cup podcast, and like thinking a lot about retooling my army. Yeah. So I brought uh, an Unbound list, which I'm unapologetic about it. Like I don't have any good fucking. <laughs> Uh, formation, so I'll take what I can get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with Dark Helder, lots of splinter shooting, to be fair, lots to, of blasters. The reason why you were unbound is because you wanted to take Wraithguard without taking. No, it was more for the Harlequins, to be honest. But the Harlequins is a formation, so you wouldn't. Yeah, be but I can't put them in the unit. Oh, then. that's right. You put the Shadow Seer in the unit, which afterwards you realize you messed up. Yeah, because they can't start in the transport anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I took the three Harlequin characters and a unit Wraith Guard mm -hmm. who deep struck him with my Archon. Yeah, we also played Eternal War, which I really enjoyed. It was a lot different than, like, than playing Maelstrom. Yeah. Because, like, I, I said to you, you know, I got something new I want to try out. I also, you know, I'm rocking Grey Knights. Let's just have a fun, mm -hmm. regular Warhammer game where we get back to, like, the traditional yeah. feel of, like, two armies on a table just battling each other out, not, yep. like... My bikes are going to fly to the other side of the table because I drew objective six and it makes absolutely no sense that my bikes would go over there, but mm -hmm. that's what we're doing right now, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was fun. Man, I thought I had you in like turn one or two. Yes. Like my Titan was just, just doing what he was supposed to do, man, just wrecking everything. Yeah, I went second and by the beginning of my second turn, I thought I was done for. Yeah. And then my Wraith Guard came in and just nuked your knight. Even with my shield. I put you, you dropped him behind him, and even yeah. with the shield put on the rear, I just still couldn't make any saves. I had one turn. You fired everything at my Dread Knight, and I rolled, like, 
Man, I had to have rolled like 22 plus saves. You didn't fail a single one. I didn't one. fail a single one. And you made cover involve saves. And then the next the turn, blaster. and then the next turn, I couldn't save, I couldn't save anything. Yeah. And I lost like a whole squad. I lost my knight. No, I lost my dread knight and I lost my knight. No, you lost your dread knight in turn three. Oh, did I? You lost your knight in turn two. Yeah. And seeing that stuff, I was like, oh, this is now going to be tough. Yeah, I wiped like an interceptor squad. Yeah, you, you wiped all of my shunting. Because uh, my tactic for that game, we played the one where you each have, I think it's called Emperor's Will. Yeah, just two objectives on the table. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my plan was to push forward and like wipe that stuff off the board and then shunt one unit back or mm-hmm. both unit back to yeah. grab both objectives at the yeah. end. And when I realized both of my, like all of my fast units got taken off the board, I was like, ooh, this is going to be a lot harder. Than but it looked bad because your strike squad gunned down my solitaire. Yeah, I realized there were a few units on the table that I just didn't want to have to deal with, and that yeah. was your Death Jester, because I knew that he, like, wounds on a two and, like, blows guys up and shit like that, and when... He doesn't have AP, though. It's like AP5 rending. Yeah, but all you have to do so. is fail one three-up save, and you're kind of screwed. Yeah, then you're taking the leadership test at minus two, yeah. or minus four, or minus six, yeah. depending on how I, I was doing my shit. Yeah, so I knew I needed to take that guy out first, so he was, like, target priority, went yeah. down, like, just filled him full of shots. Yeah, I and think you doubled them out actually. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. You only had to fail one of them too, because I think yeah. I hit you with the with the side cannon. Yeah, and then next was the harlequin because I knew that that harlequin would come into a the unit solitaire. Solitaire, yeah. sorry, yeah. Um, and even though I'm a close combat army, I knew that that solitaire was just going to wreck my shit up. So yeah. that was next. And but I was really surprised that because you had brought it close to my librarian and the terminators, and I had electro displacement this game where I could swap a unit. Mm-hmm. So I detached a brotherhood champion because I didn't want the brotherhood champion to get into close combat with him because even though he's mm-hmm. meant for challenges, he's not going to beat the, the solitaire. solitaire. Yeah. So I detached the brotherhood champion and then took the the strike squad and swapped them, and they were opposite sides of the board. Yeah. So. Uh, kind of like as a sacrificial unit, but I was like, well, shit, man, I'm just going to try and get some wounds on them and then hopefully charge them. And then, yeah. you know, okay, well, whatever. I'm going to charge you and then maybe do another wound before you kill everyone. Maybe tie them up for a round. Yeah, something yeah. like that. And uh, I ended up taking them out in the shooting phase. <laughs> yeah, you flamed them, did a wound, and then Stormbolt was brought them down. Yeah. Because yeah. I just cannot make a three-up in ball to save my life. <laughs> Apparently. But, uh, yeah, I think end of turn three I conceded because you just... I had, like, the squad of Terminators and a Brotherhood Champion left on the table. And a strike squad that was hiding, because yeah. there was a Ravager just waiting to take them out. Yeah, like half a squad Terminators. Yeah. yeah. So I realized that the game was kind of lost at that point. But, yeah. good learning experience. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I've been rebuilding that list, so I've got a good 1500 and 1850 bound list now, mm-hmm. Battleforged. So I dropped the Harlequins, because they're just... It's too many points, because that's... 320 points for those three models mm-hmm. and they're toughest three models so even the solitaire with three up and ball and eternal warrior he's still going down easy yeah so yeah i'm excited though it's a very shooty army now which i like my assault but that's how i want I, that's how i'm gonna win with dark eldar yeah shooty, so oh definitely yeah yeah I mean, and eventually i'll throw in some grotesques maybe a corpse thief with the five taluses but mm-hmm. That's that'd be dirty. <laughs> yeah, right now, I think the list well, I that today gets, was that, that formation gets a victory point every time you kill a unit. Non-vehicle unit in close combat. Is I, it just in close combat, or I'm is it? Sure, it is. Interesting. I could be wrong though. But regardless, it's still. I mean, that puts out thirty splinter shots a turn. Yeah, it's a deadly so. unit, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Anyways, okay, uh, I guess we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and talk some more. Yeah, sounds good. Alright, we're back. Uh, we don't have a name for this segment, it's just me and Jason talking. Yeah, man, it's the segment with no name. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just let me have this one part. Right, it's going in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, so I'm moving back to the Toronto area, yep. and I want to check out some local stores near my folks' place where I'm living right now. Yeah, because you don't live too far away from me. I'd say you live, what, like 40-minute drive from me? Uh, like, yeah, 40 minutes. Half an hour to 40 minutes, but like... 20 minutes without traffic. That's yeah, still, well, that's still like a half an hour, 40 minute drive to your gaming store. It'd be nicer to find a store closer to you. True, yeah. I mean, how long did it take us to get to triple play back in the day? That was like a 30 minute drive. Yeah. <laughs> wow, triple play, that's a blast from the past. Yeah, man. <laughs> that was our original gaming store. We grew up on that mm-hmm. shit. Uh, triple play was an old uh, games comic book store in Newmarket, for those who don't know. It was, it was an amazing store, man. Yeah. May it rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but you checked out some stores. Yeah, so there's uh, two stores in Woodbridge, Vaughan, Maple, whatever, Northern GTA, yep. uh, Langstaff and Weston. So I went to Legends, which is like right next to the highway. It's like the off-ramp of the Highway 7. You can see it from the parking lot. Yep. It's in this like industrial warehouse court thing. And it's like right in the back. Like if you search it on Google Maps... It looks like it's a hundred meters from the highway or yeah. from the road. Mm-hmm. That's because it is. It's like behind a warehouse. Yeah. Uh, but it was pretty cool. It's um, fairly big. Maybe not quite as big as Maple Mart, but around that size. Mm-hmm. They have a variety of games there. GW stuff's discounted, which is pretty nice. Uh, they have... No, did they? Was big, it like a lot of... Um just like tabletop and card games and stuff like that? Or was it just like board games too? Like random board games? Uh, I think they had board games too. I wasn't in there super long, yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, they had card games, board games, they had X-Wing, Armada. Uh, I think they had Armada. And then GW stuff. They also had a lot of like white dwarfs. I kind of want to go back there and kind of like look through them and mm-hmm. have a few issues. What about like painting supplies? They have yeah, they had all the paints there. Right on, cool. So they also had a big play area. It was They have tables, but it was set up for magic. So... Mm-hmm. I think they only actually had one table set up in the back. Right on. But they had a couple there and like a shelf mm-hmm. terrain. They also had like an enclosed role playing room, which was really cool. That's really neat when you told me that, yeah. That they, I wonder yeah. if you have to like rent that out or if it's just you can book it and use it for free. I, he said they don't charge for playing. Oh, he was yeah. talking about 40K, so I, but I assume it's the same for other yeah. stuff. Uh, but there's people who meet there for games, but he wasn't too sure of like where the community was located online. Mm-hmm. He said Daka Daka, there was a post, but. That wasn't super up to date information, so we just. But I mean, it's the internet; you can mm-hmm. find anything. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so that was really cool, and then, like a freaking stone's throw away. Well, you throwing a stone, not me, because <laughs> I'm a six year old. But like, <laughs> like Weston and Langstaff, like right there, like the next block over yeah. is a GW store. Right. On. So go in there. Uh, this is probably about, it's only, they only have three tables, maybe half the size of Young and Lawrence GW. Well, Young and Lawrence is a massive store, but yeah. For GW, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but going there, it was just uh, the one guy working. He was super friendly and awesome. Yeah, I think it was Rommel, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he was, we were just chatting for like 20 minutes, half hour. Yeah. This was on Mother's Day, so like no one was out. Yeah, yeah. And it was mom, just you in the store? 
Yeah. Oh, right on him. Yeah. They're actually both stores. I was the only customer. <laughs> now, to be fair, like, you know, I was hanging out with my mom earlier. She just went out, so I figured that was a good time to check out some game stores. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a terrible son. <laughs> um, yeah, and he runs campaigns. He's just wrapping up his 40K campaign. He said he was going to do an Age of Sigmar campaign Sweet. this summer. So I'm going to try and participate in that. There's, is Lang, uh, Young and Lawrence doing a Age of Sigmar campaign? Is that... Uh, yeah, they are doing one, um, on May 28th, there's going to be a buy-in, Yeah. so you come in, buy whatever for your army, and then, there's not an exact date set yet, because, um, GW's releasing, like, campaign rules and points rules for competitive yeah. play, um, so we're waiting until those rules come out, mm -hmm. but it's going to be, like, a month and a half from now, I'm pretty sure, so, yeah. it's not, like, oh. it's not that it's far off. Yeah. Which is good because that also gives everyone time to paint whatever they True, purchased, yeah. right? So, but I'm thinking if I get an Age of Sigma, <clears throat> which I've been talking to you about, mm -hmm. then I can double dip, go to like both campaigns. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I might even go to both campaigns. Yeah, it would. It'd be interesting to. I might try to do start, that because they start checking the, out that store. Yeah. yeah, they've got the big hundredth store celebration. Yeah, yeah, and they're doing it at both stores. Oh, so hit up one on your way down to. I might hit both. Yeah, yeah. that'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it'd be cool if we get like. Yeah, we hit them both up. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about, maybe we'll do some special coverage for that or something. Yeah, for sure, that'd be awesome. Yeah. If we don't, though, I'll have to cut it out. Like, <laughs> retcon the episode. We never talked about yeah, that. Yeah, we never talked about it. Um, yeah, and you picked up Death from the Skies this past weekend. Yeah, so this past weekend, Death from the Skies came out. Um, the Flyer expansion, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Expansion, or is it an expansion, or is it a... Is it what, like, official part it's of the It's not a supplement. I would say it's an expansion to the rules. Yeah, I would say, I would... I mean, technically, they're, like, official. There's no arguing that you can't okay, this, use these rules. This comes back to the big argument that happened when Escalation came out at the end of the 6th. Okay. Is it an expansion? Is it a supplement? Is it optional? Is it part of the game now? Yeah. It just depends on what game you're playing. Now, what's interesting so, is that... So they add a new phase called the dogfight phase, mm -hmm. and it takes place before the movement phase. Yeah. So before reserves come on or anything like that, which ends up playing a role in this rule called air superiority, mm -hmm. where if you're the only one with a flyer in reserve, you get like bonuses. In the you room. get uh, if you take the detachment, it's plus two or minus two. To minus two to theirs, and then plus two. I think plus it's plus one. or minus two to, to yours, and minus two to theirs. Well, plus two would be automatic because it's a three up. That's right? what I mean. You oh. automatically get your reserves if you have air superiority. Ooh. Or you can. Which is also interesting for keeping your airplanes in reserve. Yeah. Because you want to have air superiority, so not bring them on the table. That's interesting. Um, but in the dogfight phase specifically, mm -hmm. it starts off by saying you can if you can either not have a dogfight. Mm -hmm. So if you and me are playing, we can decide we're not going to have a dogfight. Mm -hmm. We can decide we are going to have a dogfight. Or if if I want to have one and you don't, we roll off, and whoever's yeah. the highest can decide if we're having a dogfight yeah. or not. There are multiple times throughout the phase where the person who doesn't want the dogfight can like can opt out and be like, "Nope, dogfight's done." Like then, once we start the dogfight phase, we both like roll off, see who's like the attacker or defender, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like if you're the attacker, you can be like, "Well, no, I decide not to have the dogfight phase now." Well, I wouldn't do that because I'm not a coward. But... <laughs> well, you know if. if <laughs> They're because now they're like different classifications of flyers. Yeah. Um, if you have like a fighter, 
Yeah, then you want a dog fight because it's really Yeah, good. you want a dog yeah. fight and you want to avoid that guy. That's completely. the only flyer I own, so. Yeah, exactly. Blood <laughs> the water. But I wanted to pick it up because I'm going to start buying like a bunch of flyers. Yeah. So I kind of see like what the rules are. Like now you can fly your flyers in like formations. And if mm -hmm. they're all like within a certain distance from each other in this kind of like setup on the table, you get like ignores cover or like bonuses to your jinx saves and stuff yeah. like that, which is. Really cool, really and the, cool. It's not like you take a unit of four flyers. They are individual units, but part of the same detachment. Mm -hmm. But the, if they fly in this formation. Yeah. Yeah. And you can roll cool. for all of them at once to come on the table. Yeah. Um, it makes everything, like, objective secured if you yeah. take them in the detachment. If they hover. If they hover. Yeah. yeah. Which... Assuming objective secured. <laughs> that would be kind of cool. This but, is what it's like in Apocalypse, eh? Oh, is it? Yeah. Well, I... I don't know how OPSEC really works in Apocalypse, but every unit can score. So. Oh, okay. Well, every yeah. unit is a scoring unit, anyways. But uh, unless. But flyers like, can can't score normally. Normally, neither can drones and stuff yeah, like that. But yeah. flyers can score in Apocalypse. It's whichever's true. closest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So hmm, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it seems I haven't given it like a full read through cover to cover yet. Mm -hmm. But uh, from what I've seen, it's pretty damn cool, man. Yeah. I mean, a, a huge thing is like now with the different classifications. So like your razor wing. It gets minus one ballistic skill to shooting at ground targets now yeah. because it's meant to shoot at air targets, which kind of sucks. But at the same time, you're also like you're gonna destroy air targets. Yeah. Now. Well, I, I didn't pick up the book because I only have one flyer. Um, if someone wants to play with the rules, that's fine because I'm only gonna be having a razor wing, and apparently it kicks ass at dogfighting. <laughs> so if anyone wants to try, now this whole new dogfight phase is supposed to take place on like another table. Yeah, but... You, Which I'm not the biggest fan of. You but could just set up, like, tokens or markers or even use just graph even paper. If you have an open spot on the table, which yeah. in most battles you do, there's no reason why you can't just put them on that table and they're just flying, like, way overhead or something like that, fighting each other. Do you need to leave the model set up for the next phase? Is that part of it? No. Yeah. It's just to have, like, a visual of what's going on. So you can even just set them up somewhere on the table where there's room. And, like, they, they, they tell you, like, start off with your two fighters, like, 36 inches facing each other. Yeah. Right? But it says, you know, if you don't have that space, feel free to, like, half that distance. Go mm -hmm. 18 inches from each other. Yeah. And then every every other move, half the distance or whatever. Yeah. Um, well, your 9 inches will actually your 18 inches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm... I think the way this, I don't think this is going to be as game breaking as Escalation was. Right so if one player wants to use the rules, just use the rules. Yeah, exactly. And like, is it they've built an army around the flyers? I think they should be able to use those flyer rules. But if me and my opponent both show up and we have flyers, but neither of us has the book or really cares about the dogfight phase, then like whatever. Don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's also the new break turn. Which is pretty cool, right? Which is yeah. like amazing for Dark Eldar because you they're have because so they're like new stats. There's a, there's agility and pursuit, yeah. And those are new stats. They gave all new data sheets for all the different flyers. And um, if you can make a second ninety degree turn at any point during your movement, because mm -hmm. flyers is normal, start your movement, you can turn up to ninety degrees. Yeah, you can make a second ninety degree turn at any point in your movement mm -hmm. so long as you pass an agility test. Yeah. Um, which is like any other strength or toughness test or whatever, roll equal or lower than your than it's agility value. Five, right? and it's agility 5, so yeah. it's like only on a 6 can you not make an extra 90 degree turn. That's pretty awesome for getting into yeah. strategic positions, man. Well, essentially, if I was playing against someone we didn't want to use the rules, I wouldn't use that, but I also wouldn't take the minus 
one to blow six kill. Yeah, just go straight. But we're using them, i got to remember to do that. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're so, going to be doing the 90 degrees, the yeah. second 90 degrees, you also have to take the minus one like, blow six kill. You can't have one and not the other. No, right? yeah, for sure. Yeah, but, yeah. like, I need to remember mm -hmm. that there's an advantage as well as a disadvantage. And freaking Dark Elder Flyer should have Vector Dancer anyways. Yeah. This is like Vector Dancer Light, so... They, um... They also clearly stated how many weapons a flyer can shoot as well, right? Or was that in there before? Uh, the FAQ clear, clarified it. Before, it was you fire four weapons of full ballistic skill, mm -hmm. but nobody realized you could also fire additional weapons snap firing. Mm -hmm. So that's what the new FAQ cleared up. Right on. So, which is cool for me, because I can fly in my Razor Wing, dump four missiles at full ballistic skill, and then snap fire the Dark Lances and Splinter Rifle. Right on. So... I'm pretty pumped about that. Mm -hmm. um, well, that's a good lead-in, so let's talk about the new FAQ. Okay, I'd like to start by apolog apologizing to GW. I don't know what I did, but clearly I did something, <laughs> because every time one of my armies gets updated, they get fucking nerfed. So <laughs> I am so sorry, but please stop taking it out on the Dark Eldar, the Tyranids, and the Blood Angels. <laughs> um, are we referring just to the Jinking? Or oh, everything. Everything? Right? Like, every one of my armies got some sort of nerf. <laughs> so, Blood Angels, um, they clarified jump assault troops, and I'm not even sure what the final call is, because it was just, like, a one-word answer. It was kind of vague. Yeah. So I posted, like, clarifying questions on Facebook. I think, well, don't worry, like, we've talked about this before, that this is just a draft, right? Yeah. This is just the first draft of the FAQ, which is mm -hmm. awesome that they do that. They're not just like, well, here's the FAQ you guys have been asking for for so long, and it's just like riddled with no, more no, questions. No, this is really cool how yeah. they're doing it, what they're doing. So it's like, here, this is what we're thinking, guys. Yeah. Keep so, bringing those questions about the answers we just brought out. Yeah, it's, but it's looking like my assault marine's going to get nerfed. It's uh, Dark Eldar took a couple hits. The big one is Jinking Skimmer trans Jinking Transports. The occupants have to snap fire now. Mm -hmm. And flying monstrous creatures, when they're up in the air, they don't get the toe and cover anymore. I think it's that's when they're swooping. I always get swooping when they're sliding mixed up. Yeah. When they're flying, not jumping. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I think, well, I don't know what the Assault Marine one is going to be like, but I, the jinking one and the toe and cover, I get it. Like, that narratively makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It just, it sucks that those armies have been relying on that Well, stuff. I think the, the so. gunboat, the Dark Eldar gunboat, with, like, splinter racks and shit like that. Yeah. That's such a staple to Dark Eldar. I mean, Venom Spam is the staple to Dark Eldar, but if you don't want a Venom Spam, like, man, having ten splinter, you know, nine splinter rifles and a splinter cannon, twin-linked, yep. like, even, oh, cool, shoot at me, man, I'll jink, and I'm still firing at you at full ballistic goal. That is something that evens out the game. It makes an yeah. army like Dark Eldar... More competitive, not competitive, but more competitive. Yeah, right? it makes it viable. Like I, I'd really like to see a dark Eldar. Like, okay, cool. Keep that jinking rule. Change it the way you want to change it to. Please make an FAQ for Splinter Racks saying, Splinter Racks allow you to fire regardless if you're jinking or not. Yeah. Um, I wanted to mention though about um, I heard a rumor. No, it is just a rumor from a pretty good source that Blood Angels are coming up pretty soon. A lot of people have been saying that. Well, There's a big hint that they realize that like this whole, oh, we brought out um, Skyhammer, but only Space Marines can use it. Blood Angels can't use it and stuff yeah. like that. This whole, like, Blood Angels aren't actually Space Marines, right? Um, in the Death from the Skies book, mm -hmm. 
they have multiple data sheets for the same vehicle. For the uh, Sky Raven? Storm Raven. Storm yeah. Raven, sorry. They have the Storm Raven, and then afterwards, they have a Blood Angel Storm Raven. And then, and then they have a Grey Knight Storm Raven. Yeah. So they're not, so people aren't like, well, those Storm Raven, like, oh yeah, Space Marines can take, because now all the flyers you can take multiple of. Yeah, yeah. One, like four flyers take up one Force Orb. Slot. Or you can take them in wings. I you think. take them in wings, yeah. yeah. Which is a squadron. Oh, well, no, sorry, they updated the data sheets saying you can take additional yeah. flyers. So yeah, that sorry. instead of just doing one for Space Marines and then being uh, being Blood Angel of me, you're like, well, I can't take them because my Storm Raven can't take. Yeah. Can't be taken in wings. No, they've done the individual sheets for all those. So I think that they're realizing now that they have to update these armies Blood that Angels. are getting screwed by. Oh, yeah, we had a Space Marines update. Well, you didn't have a Blood Angels update. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's kind of, well, it clarifies the sort of rules learning question we had a while back where can Space Marines take vanilla Space Marines? Can <laughs> other Space Marine chapters take vanilla formations? <laughs> I mean, that came out pretty clear, and this just supports that again. Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, going back to the FAQ though, anything else? Any other big changes? Uh, yeah, there were a bunch. I was on iToy Soldiers, there was a thread going talking about it. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not going to go over them. I'm sure they've been done to death on other podcasts, yeah. but like. Just, I wanted to state a public apology for whatever. Some of them are really good, though, man. Like, the toe and cover and stuff like that. No, I think they're mostly good. It's just a shame that armies that already are needing an update are getting nerfed through the FAQ. Mm -hmm. So, like, okay, I, I want to not care that my warriors are snap-firing after their transport jinx. Yeah. I want that to be a cinematic thing. And frankly, if the Dark Elder weren't such a weak codex right now, you I probably would have been playing it that way yeah, already. Yeah. But because but because of that, like I need to play them to a point yeah. where they're more competitive. So You did a well you did a good job when we played. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean I wasn't playing a competitive list, but I had a night, so <laughs> Yeah, and I mean that was the first list. Well, first iteration of that list. Like, mm -hmm. it's only going to get more refined yeah. and better. So, well, yeah, I think, I'm think i looking forward to playing more Dark Eldar. Cool, man. Uh, let's take another short break, and we'll come back with news from the front. Yeah. All right, news from the front. Mm -hmm. Jason, how's it going over on Colorax? Yeah, let's get a little campaign talk going, man. Yeah. So, we are now... I think like five weeks into the campaign. Mm -hmm. It's been an interesting experience running the campaign, man. Um, you know, I'm running it, so like I play games, but I'm not like super competitive like mm -hmm. some of the other players are because I'm like, no, I'm running it. I don't want to collect yeah. people. I'm more interested in playing some of the players that aren't in first place and stuff like that. Because mm -hmm. like if you're not in first place at that, like especially after like week five when the campaign's starting to come to a close, you're like, well, I'm not going to win. What's the point in me continuing like, yeah. to play in this? And I try and play those people to get them having a fun game, getting them more interested in the narrative of it, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, what's happening to your army? Well, has this, like, oh, have you lost your leader yet? Or what, mm -hmm. what models have you lost? What's the story behind your army? Because yeah. it's a full narrative kill team campaign, yeah. right? Um, but we finally have some people that are pulling away. Mm -hmm. um, the final game, I'm not gonna, I don't know when this episode's gonna come out. I'm not gonna mention the exact details of the final battle that we're going to have. It's probably be airing in a week, so yeah, before, so it, your, before, yeah. The, before the final battle. But it's going to mm -hmm. be a four-way battle um, with the top four players. So even if you ran away, 
and you like doubled out the second place person, mm -hmm. well, it doesn't matter because it's all going to come down to the final battle where each of the teams are going to be able to bring their full team that they've upgraded. Yeah, to the, so, so each like of the, if each of the some top people, four. Uh, some people have upgraded to 400 points on the table, other people have 300 points but more upgraded guys and stuff like that, right? Mm. Um, so when you have a big, like, Tyranids army, a Horde army, and it's a kill team game, and you're laying down like 35 models on the table, Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. It's also going to be like total carnage because we're still going to play on a 4x4 table. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a four-way battle. Um, I'm thinking of doing secret objectives. Yeah, for the team because it's gonna, it's not just going to be the four players. I want to get everyone that was in the campaign involved mm -hmm. so everyone else is going to be able to bring maybe like 50 points. So it's like, oh, here's this, here's these three guys that I upgraded. Yeah. I'm thinking of breaking the you have to take whole squads. Because oh, yeah. in the game, if you uh, group guys together to mm -hmm. upgrade them together, you have to take them all as one. Oh. Well, if you have a five-man Space Marine squad, it's probably over 50 points. Yeah, yeah. Right? So you can't even bring those guys. Well, what are you going to bring? Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring my 30-point guy, and now I'm 20 points below. Yeah. No, here's 50 points. Just get the guys. I don't care what upgrades they have. Let's just have some fun in the final yeah, game, yeah. right? And then I don't know if we're going to do a draft yet. or I think I'm just going to organize the teams more fluff-wise, more storyline-wise. Um, but it's also, it takes place in the Pilgrim sector, so it is going to affect the, yeah, the, the storyline of... Of the sector, yeah. Yeah, of the sector. Um, but there is going to be a twist to the game, which I think everyone's going to really enjoy. Um, as like the that primary so. objective the twist I'm bringing Jay's night time <laughs> uh, anyway so right now I'm just going to read off the kind of the people that are in contention to play in that final game yep but uh, Jordan who's playing Nids and Noah who's playing Space Wolves are in the top two there mm -hmm. and then uh, we have Jim who started off kind of low mm -hmm. and it's just like progressively getting better. He's, he's upgraded his Black Templars perfectly with, like, Apothecaries, and Jim plays to, like, the full narrative. Like, the man charged a Lictor with, like, three regular Space Marines. And he's like, I know I'm going to lose this fight, but mm -hmm. that's what my guys would do. They would just run in there, and they just got shredded. Nice. Right? And afterwards, the guy was like, well, I don't know why he charged me. I was like, because that's the point of the campaign. Yeah. Right? So there is going to be a secondary award. Like, the primary award, Best General, goes to the winner of the final game. Mm -hmm. The second place award is Best Narrative, which isn't really like you could be in last place and win best narrative yeah. so you came in second place yeah. because that's what I wanted to push for this campaign and I've told everyone that every Saturday we do it I say remember guys second place is best narrative mm -hmm. so focus on that right yeah how you're playing how yeah. you guys I tell them like I watch every single game mm -hmm. so yeah. I'm, I know if you're hiding like a pussy right? yeah. when you should be running towards the enemy because that's what your army would yeah, do yeah. remember guys Jason's watching <laughs> um, big brother Mike, who I played earlier, I mentioned, he was playing his Necrons, but right. in Kill Team, he's running uh, Space Sharks. Oh, the car chart. Oh, yeah. That's, that's so awesome. So he's up there as well. These final weeks, man, are coming down to who's, like, the third and fourth place that are going to get into the game. That's the real mm -hmm. exciting part. Um, Jeff, who's rocking Death Watch, we talked about that last podcast, just a beautiful yeah. painted army. Um... I think this is a little outdated because it has me in there, but I don't think I'm in there anymore. <laughs> uh, Jason, who's rocking uh, Necrons, mm. he's built up a pretty deadly force nice. of Necrons. I think he's rocking double Wraith, maybe. Oh, two. If you're two yeah. Wraiths, if you're able to, which is pretty gnarly. Mm. Um, yeah, man, those are the top people that are probably cool. going to make the final game. But as I said, everyone else is going to be joining in. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're doing yeah. it on that 100th... Uh, that hundredth store anniversary, day, and the anniversary, yeah, yeah. Cool. which is uh, which is awesome because I think we're actually starting the day off with that. 
So where it's like the table is the four by four table right at the front of the store, and it's just gonna be like surrounded by people playing. Mm -hmm. And when I do the final reveal, I think it's gonna have people like cheering and stuff like that. And if the doors open, it's gonna encourage people to like, what's going on in there? It's like yeah. a party, right? Nice. So I'm really pumped for it. Uh, how about you gonna get a liquor license for that? Yeah, that'd be awesome. No, but I, there's rumors we might be having someone cater it. Yeah, that'd be sick. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so my campaign's almost done. As of recording Monday, and tomorrow is the last day to submit moves. Mm -hmm. It's the last week. And after that, people, I'll probably give it to the end of the month. If you're not wrapped up your games by June, I'm just going to call, arbitrate it, probably call it a tie, or mm -hmm. say, okay, well, this person's been trying to get a hold of you for three weeks and you've been ignoring them. Yeah. Like, they get the spot. Yeah. So, um,. And so whenever that's all wrapped up, I'll announce the winners. Um, but we, we've had a couple of guys drop out because of uh, work and shit. So that's been unfortunate. But and I think when you have a longer campaign, like yours has been, you're going to eventually have people yeah. that drop out. You know? But I've, I've really enjoyed running it. A lot of people have said some good stuff about it. I think a lot of people have had fun. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a type of campaign I'd run again, like a complex map campaign. Yeah, I really like it. Um, now that you're moving back to Toronto, are you going to try and run a campaign here? Yeah, I not right away. I want to, like, get to know people first. Yep. So that, like, I don't want to walk into the store first time, like... Chest out, I run campaigns and I'm good at it! You, 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 you're on my team. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> Who are you? Yeah. Yes, like, went in the store the other day, and I think it's Brandon. Yep. He was just like, you, don't you live in Windsor? It's <laughs> like, no, I'm moving back. He's like, oh, cool. Yeah. So... Yeah, so that's uh, one down. But to like cap it off, I'm doing a big uh, APOC game this coming Saturday. Right on. So, like I said earlier, building some terrain stuff. It's going to be 4,000 points of players, mm -hmm. what I want to do, which is going to be a lot. I think we have a dozen people signed up right wow. now. Wow, massive. Yeah. It's one way to... See you later, bitches! <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, everyone's bringing 4,000 except me. I'm bringing 8,000. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, yeah, war, proxy a warhound, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, it should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm running this little story because I bought, um, the assassin. So I have a full execution force mm -hmm. now and I've called it execution force Vindicta. And I've been running it against Jesse because he's running Imperial Fist Legion, mm -hmm. like 30k. And the story for the execution force is they're there to hunt down the Legion, HQs, because, like, why the nice. fuck is there these guys from the past here? Yeah. Who cares? Kill them. Kill them, yeah. And, like, during my last game with Jesse, I got in combat, and my chapter master went after his Praetor, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 the, the, I have an assassin in that combat. He should be the one attacking your Praetor. Do you mind yeah. if I swap that back? Because I should have declared it with the assassin. Yeah. I did, and, like, the assassin got crushed. Yeah. But it was so awesome. Yeah, it's and, cool. Yeah. It builds to the story. Yeah, so, but I think... The Legion players, at least two of them, are going to be on my side during the final APOC finale. Right. So I'm going to give the other side my execution, the execution force. force. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't wait to hear about it. Hopefully yeah. Next episode, we'll talk about it probably. Yeah, maybe next episode, we'll do like a big segment on it or mm -hmm. something. So, Sweet, man. Yeah, or I might try and get some interviews afterwards. or I don't know. We'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's uh, the news from the front. So uh, up next, I'm going to interview with Tyler and Wes from the Great Windsor Table Warriors who are representing the club at the Canhammer Tournament in Cambridge a few weeks ago. So, uh, yeah, it's a good interview with them. We did it at Remstone, and hope you guys enjoy. We'll cool, be man. back after that. We'll be on the road.
So I'm here with uh, friends of the Maelstrom, Tyler and Wes, who are just back from the Canhammer tournament. And thanks for doing this interview, guys. Our pleasure. Yep, no problem. So uh, first of all, tell me uh, about the tournament. How was the travel, hotel, where was it, all that fun stuff. Okay, well, uh, the event was held up in Cambridge. Um, in terms of driving, I mean, uh, like the, the ride there was fine, no issues. Uh, we did have a bit of a player dropout issue at the last minute, uh, which was a little concerning in terms of the hotel and everything. Uh, but we got to the hotel and they were they were really accommodating. Eh? I mean, you know, they got us uh, got us just one room downgraded. You know, no problems there. Uh, had a really fun ride up there too. Lots of laughs. Yep. I lost the uh, roll, so I had to sleep on the uh, the cot, but it's okay. <laughs> But it worked out. It worked out. It was, uh, you know, we had a safe trip up there. Uh, and then uh, we got there. Wes and I still had some painting to do, so we just uh, went, ate dinner real quick, and then just hammered down that painting till what, 2, 2.30 in the morning? Yeah, it was definitely definitely worth it, though, because because uh, we we did well with the painting scores at this tournament. So it was uh, those extra six hours we spent that night definitely yeah. definitely helped. It made the biggest difference, hands down. Because you guys came away with best painted overall, right? Yes, we did. Very yeah. proud. Very proud to bring that award to the club here, um, especially since this is like our first real, you know, uh, high stakes 40k tournament. And to have something like that to come back home with is just just awesome. I mean, I can't ask for anything better, really. Yeah, there was only a couple team awards, uh, awards, and then uh, some individual ones. So it was nice to to take that as a team because because we were there together in that. So just it meant so much more as a team and and for the club. So. Absolutely. Cool. So tell me the format of the actual tournament. How did the rounds work? How did the matchups work? Because it was a four-person teams, correct? Correct. Uh, so it's a ETC team tournament format. So how it works is uh, uh, teams are... Uh, are paired up against another team and then you have to pair your matches up um, and there's a very like uh, very strict order and as to how that works I'm not going to really go into detail as to how it does uh, work but the idea is to basically try and get the best matchups that you can for your team uh, you ideally want to get your good list against an opponent's weak list and basically max out points for the round, right? It, it all comes down to how well you guys do as a team on a round basis. Um, I mean, in, uh, in our round two, we were actually only one point away from forcing a draw, which, which would have helped us in terms of the overall, uh, overall rankings. Um, so these are all little things that you, that you have to factor in. Uh, and when it comes to your, your pairing of the matches, you gotta be really cognizant of that fact and, and be aware that like, we might have a bad matchup, but if that bad matchup can be mitigated by a really good matchup where we can earn max points, it does well for the team. So it's all about team thinking at, at an event like this. Yeah, I noticed uh, a lot of teams. Uh, we had some of, some of this too, but a lot of teams brought lists that would just counter certain things. So it might be a marine counter list. Uh, so they definitely wanted to have that match. So like, I, I played a Tau player, and he had uh, he had Surro skulls. So his whole thing was to counter uh, like the white scars list that were there that would scout first with a, with a Tau army that was long range and stop scouting. But if he would have played other lists, like he would have struggled. So it was just for those kind of lists, right? So they worked hard. At getting those matches uh, correct and, and, and we, lear we learned a little bit as we went we weren't so good with it the first couple rounds so it, that might have played a factor in some of our points too overall and fortunately for our early rounds uh, we did have uh, some lower end competition in terms of that which at least helped us mitigate that that 
that problem of making mistakes with pairings, um, but we definitely learned from it, and we learned, especially for the next time that we go, that we really want to build the team to revolve around that idea, because the real trick is your your first list that you put up is the list that's going to be in the hardest game, no matter what, because your opponent team will have the choice to put up whatever counter list they want against it. So um, I feel like if, had we gone with a fourth player that brought something really tough like a Necron to Curian or something like that and put put that tough list out there first so no matter what we can at least choose even if we chose the hardest matchup it's something that gives us a shot at at least forcing a draw or a close loss and like I said right the goal is to max points for the team on a round basis not as an individual per se right so um, so bearing those factors in mind uh, I know the next time that we attend this event uh, we'll be factoring all that in and we'll be practicing our round pairings and trying to finesse the mm -hmm. technique and strategy behind it because there is a whole new level of strategy that comes with the round pairings and was this your guys' first tournament as a team or individuals? Uh, this was definitely our first team tournament. Well, at least for me. I'm not sure about you, Wes. Yeah, I've actually never done a team tournament uh, ever. I've done a lot of tournaments, but fantasy-wise, uh, but it would have been many years ago. Uh, but I've never done anything with a, with a partner or team, so that, that's brand new. Yeah, and it was a really, really cool experience. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's cool to have that kind of that team sense to to the event, right? And you're not working on uh, the individual level so much, where you are just worrying about how you yourself are doing. You're thinking about the team and how best to help out the team, right? I mean, like you get in a situation where you're losing the game, you don't want to just give up and concede your games because you want to try and if you know you're going to lose, you got to at least try to lose as minimally as possible. Because um, once again, right, like the, every point counts in a team event like this. Yeah. So you said tabling earlier. You said if you get tabled, that's like max points. So yeah, if you table your opponent, it's an automatic 20-0 victory, which is huge, right? So if you can get those tabling wins, or even if you can max out on points, there's still ways to max out and get 20 nothing anyways without tabling your opponent it, granted it's hard to do I did manage to pull it off in one of my games um, but but those are factors that have to be accounted for in a team event like this yeah actually I think Ryan uh, might have been able to win 20 nothing if the game would have ended uh, but the dice was rolled and the game continued and he actually got tabled because uh, he was wow. winning so much on the Maelstorm uh, that he was so many points ahead but then uh, later on in the game it kept going a couple turns right so he actually ended up getting tabled because he lost all his models so that's a huge swing and that was against the uh, ETC Team Canada and they're going to Greece to compete uh, as like Canada's team right so we actually almost beat them as a team uh, if Ryan uh, would have won that match, or I think maybe even if Tyler would have won his match that one, right? Yeah, exactly. Like to to uh, to add to that point in that exact same round, uh, I was against a Tau player, and my game with six minutes left in the round, uh, I had the opportunity to table my opponent because all he had left was a Crisis Suit Commander with two wounds um, and a Riptide with three wounds left, and I still had uh, all four of my High Tyrants plus a couple other flyers and some Gargoyles. So had the game gone on, um, there was a very very good chance that I could have tabled him. Him and which was huge because at that point the ETC Team Canada needed only four points to guarantee their win. So had that game gone on, I would have been able to potentially deny all those points and we would have won the round instead, which would have probably placed us probably somewhere around fifth, fourth, potentially even third spot overall. Uh, so those like I said, those little things factor in huge on a team on a team level like that. So how many teams participated total? 
Uh, there were 10 teams total. Okay. And uh, what? how did you guys place overall? Uh, we ended up placing six overall, I believe. I think it was six, yeah. And that's that's with the battle points, uh, which we didn't score that high. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we had a sub, and uh, he ended up losing all five games. Uh, just uh, I don't know if it was just not knowing the list because he kind of borrowed it. Uh, but uh, or maybe just bad pairings, but uh, that hurt us a little bit. So battle points, we were hurt a little bit, but we made like very good with our painting, obviously, because we won that. But uh, uh, we had scores uh, of sportsmanship that were added in there, and uh, and we did perfectly fine there. Yeah, and wasn't there the the team team spirit? Team spirit, yeah, which I think we scored really well, maybe perfect on also. Okay, cool. So um, tell me about your armies then, what you brought. Uh, you've got awesome display boards. Uh, Tyler's Tyranids are right here looking beautiful. So and you guys won Best Painted, so I think this is a good time to show off, I guess. Absolutely. It's always a good time to show off your good painting. Um, uh, I, you want, like, up to the tournament and up to the list submission deadline, uh, there was a lot involved. I mean, like, we had to practice a lot uh, and really finesse our lists and, and finalize something that we thought would be able to uh, bring the strongest competitive edge uh, to the event. Um, I ended up actually having to make a final tweak to my list. I was originally running only three Flyrens, and I had a couple Molochs in my list. Uh, and throughout my practice games, it was uh, became very evident that my Molochs kept scattering. I, they weren't reliable enough because I didn't have enough Molochs to kind of guarantee my hits. Uh, so I made the decision to drop them and uh, add another uh, flyer into the list. And that decision alone made the biggest difference in every single one of my games. That extra firepower and mobility, uh, and not to mention the extra psychic presence that it brings, uh, made a huge, huge difference. I know in one of my rounds I ended up rolling uh, uh, three instances of catalysts throughout my high tyrants, which is monstrous. That's the feel no pain, right? Feel no pain, and in that particular game, I... Uh, I scored max points because I just had catalyst going all over the place. Couldn't touch my high tyrants, and even on my other flyers, you know, uh, they were very resilient. Um, and overall, uh, I did also bring the Skyblight formation with the extra objective secured. And again, that too made a big difference in a lot of my games. Um, so in terms of uh, the list that I brought, I'm very happy with it. Um, it got me very consistent results. I was also, it's very versatile. I don't have to play it, it's not a, it's not a one-dimensional list. I have multiple tactical uh, avenues to, pers- to, you know, to pursue with. Um, so overall, I'm really happy with my list and how it performed. And I would have no problem running this exact list in any other event. I played, I played a battle company uh, with a twist. I used the white scars. Uh, I put everything in rhinos, and I had, like, a lot of graph. So my list, I designed it to go against the marina equivalent armies. Uh, and I could do two things. I could either play really defensively and, and just box in on, on my table edge and play someone to a draw, uh, or I could play really offensively because I brought cons, so I could... Uh, scout all my rhinos early, shoot them all, and basically pin someone on their side of the table where they couldn't move around. I could control the maelstrom, uh, rack up those points, and as long as I didn't die, I I could usually win a game. And I ended up going, uh, I had four wins and one draw, so I did really well during the tournament uh, against some hard lists. One of those lists was a Tau player, and it was actually, uh, I had some unlucky... uh, 
these are the lists I don't want to play, and those were the exact lists that I got during the tournament. So I played like a, a Thunderwolf Cavalry uh, with the Conclave, but the, the one game I, I drew uh, was a Tau Army, and he had four Riptides, a Storm Surge, uh, drones. Uh, it was just a hard list for me to go against, but he also had the Servo Skulls, so it nullified all my, my tactics of being offensive. Uh, so basically, uh, I was really far away from my opponent right away. I'd have to travel up the board a couple turns, and it's a lot of fire to take to do that. Uh, and he actually ha had uh, we had hammer and deploy uh, uh, hammer and anvil deployment. So basically, it was like it was no chance. And I played him to a draw. I've never had such a tough game. I, I killed 257 points uh, of models the whole game. That's all I killed. Wow. Uh, and I played him to a draw. So. You can play it defensively and, and still come out with good results. That was one of those uh, taking it for the team kind of things. I didn't really play to even try the win. Uh, but yeah, my, my army performed really well. Uh, the grab coming out of the rhinos is definitely a tactic that's really good. And even against some of those assault armies I faced, uh, if I had to come out of my rhinos and get charged or, or the rhinos blew up and I disembarked and got charged, uh, I was okay because I had hit and run. So as long as I survived with that grab cannon model, uh, I could hit and run, get out and cover, blow up that unit, and then and then continue. And it was a, a single model, uh, like even like his Riptides would have to dedicate a lot of firepower to that single model and cover, wasting a lot of shots because he'd overkill. So it was nice, nice tactics and stuff like that for that. Definitely recommend it. I'm actually going to put my list and uh, Ryan's list uh, hopefully comes up with him and, and Tyler's list all up on uh, iToy Soldiers and I'm going to actually post most of the lists from the tournament too. Cool. Uh, that way I can kind of describe like how they worked against us and, and maybe players can use that uh, as you know like a building tool and maybe we can bring some more people to some of these tournaments and, and have a greater presence uh, throughout the tournament uh, community in, in Ontario but maybe even in the States. So were you running five-man tax squads or full tax squads? I was running five-man. So basically my list was the, the six tacticals because I was a full gladius. Uh, and I just put a single grab cannon in each. Uh, it just comes out to 105 points with the, the free rhino. Uh, so I'd shoot out the top of that. Uh, I had Khan in, uh, in a, another rhino with two grav guns in the command squad. Uh, so I had nine rhinos. I had three pods, two of them with assault squads with flamers. Uh, so I'd be able to take out uh, something and cover, like some troops that were soft, uh, or just be uh, annoying. I could drop the pods right on objectives. So most games I controlled five or six objectives first turn, no problem, even if they were all in my opponent's uh, half. Uh, and oftentimes I, de I deployed the objectives in like the center as close as I could because I knew I could be on top of them right away mm -hmm. uh, and didn't really worry about my half so my half of the table usually was empty um, and I had a dreadnought as an annoyance unit and actually he did really good a couple games uh, I did have a rule discrepancy during the tournament one thing uh, I was playing a dark angels allied with thunderwolves um, I'll say thunderwolves because that's all I had with the two scout squads but uh, um, I could have uh, rammed him and uh, and uh, tank shocked him and how he uh how i moved and how what i did was is i could have destroyed his whole army basically just because it couldn't get away from my ramming uh and tank shocking uh i ended up not doing it he 
fought over the rule for about 25 minutes and we had to have the judge come over uh, because I was basically ramming with my whole army, which was yeah. a tactic I really hadn't used, but I hadn't uh, thought about uh, if the right situation came up. And uh, I ended up not doing it. I tabled him. Uh, I think I kind of rattled him after all that because yeah. he didn't know the rule. Uh, and I ended up tabling them. But uh, the, the army just was very versatile. So I could do a lot of things. Uh, I could play defensively for that draw. I could play the win. Um, it just it was really good. I'm definitely going to post uh, post it up on iTunes Soldiers for everyone to look at. Now, I'm going to describe how it works. I'm actually going to probably go into describing on how to beat it because that's an important thing too because I was surprised there was two lists there very similar to mine. Uh, I didn't have to play it. Um, I had to play one. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually uh, did play against the Gladius that practically matched uh, Wes's Gladius almost to the T. There were just a couple little itty-bitty uh, changes here and there. Um, and in fact, this is a game that uh, I got my one loss at the event. Uh, I did go 4-1. Um, and also, this game happened to get recorded on YouTube. So if you guys get an opportunity, check out uh, youtube.com slash OnePlusArmor. Um, they should have the games posted, hopefully sometime pretty soon. Um, Maybe you can find whatever mistakes I made in that game. Um, I did feel like I, I approached the game in the right way. I mean, I knew uh, we were playing, uh, which mission was that? Uh, I got the paper in front of me here. Uh, I believe I was playing mission three, which had the uh, contact loss, Mouseman of War, which is a huge advantage for a Gladius army, because uh, he was able to basically just park on those objectives. Uh, and then starting turn two, he was drawing cards like a madman. And it was very, very, very hard for me to remove you know, two or three units from an objective just to claim it. Um, but I, I, I played the best I could. Uh, I nailed down my turn of war objective and secured it and uh, tried to just uh, beat him on kill points, which I did, uh, and hope that he didn't get too carried away with Maelstrom. Unfortunately, he did. He got a lot of score two uh, objective cards. Um, so he was able to narrowly get a three... Uh, point lead in terms of victory points by the end of the game, uh, so we ended up winning the game told eight, uh, which isn't bad for me actually, considering uh, it was a it's one of my hardest matchups, uh, and definitely like the hardest possible mission setup that I could have had against that particular army. Uh, I'm actually pretty proud to walk out of that with a 12-8 because I still got us some points on a team level, which again, right, as I said earlier, is huge. You want to try and still max out your points even yep. if you're getting a loss, right? Because had I, you know, had I gotten that 12-8 and you know had West perhaps like tabled his opponent or something like that, right? It could have changed it around in a whole different way. Um, so uh, you know, you know, I, you, you try your best in those circumstances, and you just don't give up, right? Like the key in an event like this is to not give up and to earn as many points as possible. Um, yeah, if you can get two points and the opponent gets eighteen, at least you got two for your team, right? Mm -hmm. So basically, each round was worth eighty points, battle points. So you just had to to hit over that forty mark as a team, right? So as, mm -hmm. as long as you just don't give up. And, and one case of that is actually Ryan. He was. Uh, I had beat my opponent early, uh, so I was able to walk around, and I went over to Ryan's table, and Ryan was like, I don't want to play a demon player again. He, he got the matchups he didn't want her to uh, with some demon armies, and I don't know if it was his second or third. It was definitely at least the second, maybe the third demon matchup he had. 
And uh, he was like, I, I quit. I'm never playing a, a demon player again. And I, I said, he's, he's like, I'm just going to put down my models and say I quit first round, like first turn kind of thing. And uh, and these are, are demon lists, like with like four demons or whatever they are. Yeah, the demon, like they're the really demon uh, tetrad formation, which has got four demon princes. They all get a bunch of neato bonuses, and they don't lose them until you start killing off demon princes. I mean, I know you get plus one strength, plus one toughness, this and that, whatever all the other bonuses are. Yeah, just a hard army to go against for the Eldar match, right? So it's it's perfectly geared towards Eldar not being able to kill it. And he, uh, I told him, don't quit, man. You, know, you just got to get a couple points in that. And I think Ryan actually came out with the win on that match. He did. <laughs> just the Maelstrom. Because wow. uh, the tournament works as you're playing uh, the Maelstrom and the Eternal War. Uh, so it's your kill points uh, difference. So, like, if I if I let up uh, 20 kill points and you let up 8, that's 12 points. Uh, it, so, like, let's say then uh, you're up 12 points, but if I score 12 more points than you on the Maelstrom, then it's a tie, right? So you just got to play, uh, you're playing the kill point game, you're playing the objective game, uh, and you get. And some missions uh, benefit one or the other a little more, but they're both definitely factored into that game. And, and you can play... Uh, you can play and be losing. Like I said, I, I played that draw. I killed 257 points. I literally just killed drones and a single suit, and that's all I killed all game. And I played it to a draw, right? So you, you got to look at it and, and just go, well, how can I get points from my team, even if you're going to play for a loss or draw or whatnot. Right. So uh, quickly getting back to the armies, can you guys tell me about your display boards? Because I think they're pretty sweet looking. So Tyler, how about yours? Uh, well, thanks for the compliment, for starters. Um, well, uh, with my display board in particular, uh, uh, one of the, the major concerns for my armies, I have a lot of flyers, a lot of top-heavy models. Um, so one of the big concerns for me was transportation in terms of moving from table to table. Uh, so what I did with my display board is I actually uh, put down a magnetic primer uh, on each tier of my uh, display board and slapped magnets onto the bottom of all my big monstrous creatures and what have you. And what this allowed me to do was to very simply like just move my display board without that risk of having my models topple over. Um, which, which was awesome, and I got some very uh, nice compliments from some of the other players there at the event. Uh, in terms of the aesthetic, uh, I'm really, really happy with how it turned out. Uh, once again, got lots of compliments on there. Uh, the, the backdrop picture uh, that, that you printed off for me, Ian, and thanks a lot for that, by the way, uh, you know, just added a whole another uh, whole other element to the display board that just makes it really pop out. Yeah, the colors all fit together as well. Um, it's a, and you know it's a display board that's versatile. I'll be able to always change up my armies on it because it's mag magnetized, um, and uh, you know and earned us and earned me at least the full points on the display board uh, in terms of the paint scoring. So um, overall, I'm really happy with how the army looks. There's still uh, a couple little fine details that I still have to kind of get out there. And uh, one of the things that like my uh, army could use in order to get max points for painting is a couple like a little more conversion work here and there, and a little more freehand. Um, I'm not exactly sure I'm gonna do freehand on a Tyranid army, but there's gotta be something I can do. Maybe I'll just take some Space Marine corpses and put them on the base, so I can also get some base points, and then I'll do some freehand work on them. Uh, so uh, I, I, you know, I did learn uh, some little little things here and there that I can add to my display, add to my army to just make it all all that much better and and just keep increasing that paint score. Uh, Wes, what about your board? 
Well, first off, I think that I'm going to give uh, Tyler some of the models that I didn't uh, perform well with, and then he can use them and crush them on his bases <laughs> there. But, uh, but my display board, I try to keep it in the, the two foot by two foot. And that's the same as Tyler. It, it seems to be the standard, and it's a really hard thing to fit a battle company on that. Mm. So uh, I kind of tiered it. Uh, so in the back, it's a little higher, and then I've got ramps coming down to a lower section, and then ramps down to another section. Uh, so I try to fit everything in there like that uh, without it seeming seeming just like a blob of models. I try to make them look like they were kind of moving towards something to the battle, a battlefield. Uh, I also threw a background up there uh, for a picture in that. And I just made sure the map that it would match the bases of, the, of my models, right? So I try to have it just synergize uh, everything well. Um, my models get weathered, uh, yeah, like really right. hard. So um, it, it kind of blends and matches up real nice. Um, but one thing I did with my display board is I put uh, like pockets under it, uh, attached to it, where I can put the books, the dice, the the tape measure, uh, anything I need, the, the tournament information, there's like uh, a lot of paperwork. Um, so I can just walk around with that without having to carry anything else, which was, which was really nice. Um, I also had something that was fun. Uh, I, I made the, tin, the, the candle lit uh, tea light uh, smokes for on top of the rhinos and stuff. And I put a little storage thing in the back for them so I didn't have to carry them around too. Uh, and that was something that kind of added to everything. And, and it, I think it's definitely the reason why uh, like our display boards were the reason why um, that we won Best Painted because a lot of armies were, were really good there. It's not like we, we stood out over all the other teams uh, in the modeling aspects, um, but it was just uh, the little extras. And uh, and, and we kind of had fun stories when they're looking at your model. Like I had a couple tanks kind of half painted to be honest with you um and i just i had a fun story that they were uh, just out of the armories and uh, still in primer because uh, they were a little better than just primer like everyone might think but uh but you know my 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 guys were fighting so much they just took them out of the armory and the guy laughed and i think he scored me full points on that so it was just uh, a little trickery there maybe from windsor <laughs> but uh you getting weathered them you mean uh, they no, hadn't been weathered? Or? No, they hadn't been weathered, but they also hadn't had any white on them. So oh, white, okay. uh, my army's actually painted as the Luna Wolves, so mm -hmm. it's white. Uh, I used them as white scars because it's white, it all matches. Yeah. Uh, so I pointed out that and the, the conversions, and the army looks great uh, when it's all done, but I actually had models not done uh, all the way up to white. It's a lot of gray build-up to get to white. Yeah. It, to be honest, yeah, I never thought a battle company would take so long to paint. It has just been a nightmare. Uh, there's a lot of models, and I actually don't mind painting the Marines. It's, it's pretty quick. It's the uh, the rhinos and stuff. Yeah. There's just so many rhinos, and, and I've never painted a drop pod, and that just takes forever. It's yeah. it's like painting two rhinos each drop pod. Um, but I don't have an airbrush, so it's it's something I might invest in if I paint another. Uh, well, I'll never paint a battle company, but if I paint something else <laughs> that's going to require a lot of vehicles, I'm definitely getting an airbrush. So just save some time. Yeah, I recommend that to anyone. <laughs> cool. So, uh, what was each of your top moments at the tournament? Top moments. Um, for me personally, uh, I think uh, like I know my round two. I'm pretty proud of because I played it very tactically. I was up against a uh, Raven Guard list uh, that had a lot of Alpha Strike. Um, into bringing like the the Talon Strike Force. Uh, God, I can't remember some of the names of the other formations, but he, you know, had a lot of had a lot of deep striking elements, um, and I was able to mitigate that by casting in a corner 
bubble wrapping all my important stuff with gargoyles so that he came down in turn one, turn two, or whatever, and uh, I minimized his damage. And basically, he, he did a couple of wounds here and there to some gargoyles, you know, put a wound or two on a harpy, uh, and that was it. And then I was able to just fly around the board uh, and just take his army apart piecemeal. Um, so that's like a really big uh, positive for me and one of my top moments. Um, and even in the games that I lost, I mean, like I said earlier, uh, I'm really still proud of, of how I played that game tactically. I mean, I did, I did everything right as far as what I could have done to to do, you know, to, to equalize the kill points. I did whatever I could on Maelstrom. I mean, unfortunately, my cards were also a little against me on and on the Maelstrom there. I wasn't really able to draw very many cards for the entirety of the game, and even the cards that I did uh, draw, sorry. Um, didn't really serve me very well, um, but uh, I would have to say that the round two is probably my biggest highlighted game, and also round five as well. Um, you know, I, I had made a really critical mistake. I had a flyrant with Psychic Scream in range of uh, two Riptides and a Storm Surge, I believe, so I had the opportunity to do some extra damage when I really needed to do some extra damage, and I completely forgot my Psychic Phase. Uh, and it really could have hurt me, but I was able to come back from that. And you know, I, I you know gathered my gathered my thoughts, gathered myself, uh, reanalyzed the situation, and said, okay, I made a mistake. What else can I do? I did what I could, and uh, I you know ended up coming back. Uh, I was behind in points at that at that particular moment, um, but I fought back, inflicted some good casualties. Uh, you know, removed a lot of his firepower, and uh, on turn five, I was able to land all my stuff down, and I nailed every single turn of war objective, which brought, which gave me the win. I mean, if it hadn't not been for for that mm -hmm. particular moment, uh, I wouldn't have even gotten the 12-8 victory that I that I earned in that game. So, um, I mean, overall, like, there's just little little moments here and there in games, uh, that, you know, that I could consider top moments. But I think, I think just the the, the tactical acumen that that I kind of showed myself uh, was probably like my, my best moment because I was again this is uh, my very first uh, big event uh, on the 40k scene and uh, th this was really used as a measuring stick for me personally to see how well I could compete with some of uh, other top players uh, across <coughs> Ontario and to know that I went to that tournament and came out with 4-1 um, that, that to me uh, is probably my top moment the fact that that I can confidently go in there into an event like that and face any list, even a tough list like the, the White Stars Gladius that I face, and still uh, and still net uh, good results. Yeah. All right, Wes, what about you? What was your top moment? Well, on the table, I probably got a couple top moments, but on the table, uh, it was maybe that uh, that round where uh, I could have rammed and uh, tank shocked uh, the whole army there, and I ended up not doing it because uh, I didn't want to, because the rules are kind of iffy, um, and some people rule it one way, some people rule it one way, um, so I didn't do that, and I ended up tabling, and that felt really good in that. Um, <laughs> I was trying to be a good sport about it, maybe be a little nicer to my opponent than I, than I could have been. But, uh, but you know, like I beat a, a Thunderwolf star. Uh, basically, the whole army is just a whole bunch of Thunderwolves, uh, some lords, and uh, Librarius Conclave, which is a list that, that you fear. Uh, that Tau player, uh, to kill 257 points, play every turn and come out to a, to a draw, like I was yeah. super happy with that. Like, I didn't have much left on the table when... 
uh, it is a hard game to get through when you know like you're just getting destroyed but you're trying to play and get as many points as you can and I end up drawing uh, that was really cool but uh, but most of my best moments were actually off the battlefield like uh, I knew Tyler I knew Ryan but now I really know them uh, I don't know if that's good or bad but uh, <laughs> but it was it's nice <laughs> it was nice because I, I think I got like a couple good friends from it uh, and then for the club uh, like it's nice because uh, we come home uh, we come home with uh, with an award which is amazing but uh, but maybe next time we go to the tournament because I know we went to the tournament we were looking at their list and we're like this is uh, can here like this is like there's some good teams like we're mm -hmm. facing a team that's going to Europe to represent Canada like we're facing teams that you're afraid of and you know and now maybe we go to the next tournament and someone knows and goes oh the Windsor guys are here and, and how, that we're competitive and good because uh, we like the three of us play really well in our meta but you don't know how you're going to play in, an, in, a, in another place uh, and yeah. those armies were very different we have a very small club here so you don't see a lot of the lists uh, and play them and know them. Uh, so yeah, up there, it was real nice. Yeah, to as, you know, and to further comment on that <laughs> exact point, um, you know, a lot of these lists, like like Wes just mentioned, we don't see on a local level. In fact, we don't have any competitive demon players here. So uh, I remember when we first seen a lot of these demon lists, we we had no idea how best to approach it. We don't know the good counter to it. Uh, you know, it, there, there's a lot of these little factors that that kind of came into play, and. Uh, you know, I, I think the lessons learned from that is also something that we can carry forward into the future and, you know, be better prepared, right? Like now, especially when it comes to like our fourth member, that's something to consider, right? Like to, to create more counterless opportunities, create more defending list opportunities and, and things of that nature. So this is definitely something that we're going to go on and do. We're probably going to be a team, the three of us, try and find a fourth, whether that's that's different every time or whatnot. But uh, I think that that individual tournaments and uh, even just uh, two-man tournaments are going to be in the future now. Like I, I think that uh, some of the players in the area want to want to kick it up, and that's that's us three and maybe others. Um, and it's going to be nice that we know we can be competitive. We go mm -hmm. elsewhere and, and represent the the club and ourselves. Uh, and have fun. It, it was really a fun event to go to, to get out of, like, we love being here and, and, mm -hmm. and playing with our friends now, but it was, it was definitely a, a really cool experience that, uh, that I think we're going to go on and, and do more of. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I had an absolute blast. Uh, on and off the table, there was lots of laughs, lots of good times. Um, and, and like I said earlier, just the fact that we gauge ourselves against really stiff competition and came out really well, especially on an individual level, um, that, that's just huge. And that it really boosts our confidence. And, you know, like Wes just mentioned, uh, we're definitely going to be going to more events, whether they be individual or team-based events, mm -hmm. and really represent the club and, and bring the paint to some of these other places, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and show them that uh, Windsor can produce some really top-quality players. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So um, you mentioned forgetting a psychic phase one game. Is there any other like worst moments or really bad moments during the tournament? Honestly, that was probably my biggest mistake on a personal level. The fact that I completely forgot the psychic phase. Like I had just started shooting. Like I literally shot like one gun, and I thought back, looked over, and was like, "Oh my god, I forgot the psychic phase." I asked my opponent, I was like, "Are you cool with going back with it?" And he, you know, shook his head and was like, "I'm sorry, but you know, not something like this." And you know, I, I accepted it because it is what it is, right? It's a high level event, and you can't 
Yeah. You know, you don't get to correct those mistakes as something like that. So uh, I have a tendency of learning all my lessons in life the hard way. Uh, <laughs> so I'm actually glad that it was something kind of small. I mean, like it wasn't too critical. Mm-hmm. It didn't cost me the game that I had made that mistake. Uh, but I had made like that mistake and a couple of little extra like movement mistakes here and there being like off by an inch or whatever. Um, but nothing, nothing that lost me a game or nothing that, uh, that really cost us points. Um, but there's always lessons to be learned yeah. in every game of Warhammer, win, loss, or draw. And uh, we, we took a lot of valuable lessons home with us, uh, and we'll be applying that to our future games and especially to competitive events like this. No, I definitely got a, a bad moment uh, with the Tau player there that I play, played for a draw. I actually, in the sixth turn, uh, I only had killed drones. I didn't kill that suit yet, so I was like, like you know, <laughs> it was a really rough game. Uh, but he moved up to a, an objective that was worth three at the end. I think we were playing Contact Lost, uh, I think is the one. Um, and it's worth three at the end, uh, each objective, uh, four of them or something. And uh, I was like, oh, wow, a suit out in the open, like, I'm going to go kill him. Uh, I had an assault squad left that was kind of hiding from the uh, the riptides uh, and it wasn't even a full uh, assault squad it was uh, two flamers and a bolt pistol and uh, so I run up uh, and I f- I'm like well I'm gonna charge him right uh, because I either have to run or charge to, to take this objective from him or, or to contest it and we yeah. were I didn't know we were at a tie at the time and uh, instead of doing just a, a run or a charge uh, in the shooting phase I decided to shoot my assault weapons uh, he's got two wounds you wouldn't think I'd be able to kill him I actually killed him uh, and I was a couple inches out of the objective yeah so that would have been a, a total swing to, swing to a win from a draw uh, which would have helped our team would have helped me uh, but sometimes you just get antsy to kill something yeah. when you haven't killed something the whole game and uh, and I, it was a mistake you know sometimes yeah. you gotta go and look at it like I shouldn't do this because this will happen and, and that's an objective game and, 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 and something that I'm going to learn from maybe mm-hmm. like way uh, shooting or not shooting which in a shooting list you think shoot all you can sometimes you don't have to mm-hmm. So uh, what's next for uh, your guys team do you have an event on the horizon or just more practice uh, Well at uh, this exact moment in time I think it's more kind of practice as the name of the game um, I know Wes has mentioned that there is a, uh, a GT in Michigan uh, towards the end of September uh, I think that's something that we're going to look forward to and try and build towards mm-hmm. um, I know they got multiple different types of events here I know they have like a singles event a doubles event I believe they have a team event as well like a four-man team event um, so we're probably going to look into that and see what we can do and uh, and go participate um, and we still have to do, like, I, I personally want to do some looking around and see what else is available on the horizon. Um, I know War Masters is a thing, uh, which also occurs in September. But again, we'll have to kind of basically pick and choose between War Masters and Michigan GT. Uh, there's also the Du Bois GT in Rochester, New York in November, uh, which is another event to uh, potentially look forward to. Um, but hopefully something, you know, kind of pops up and shows its ugly face uh, sometime before then. 
Yeah, those events that uh, Tyler mentions there, uh, I actually was looking the other day. I haven't talked to talked to him about it, but there's one in Ottawa, and a lot of the guys that we played against go up there and play. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was just a singles, but uh, but you can still travel together as a team and then uh, hope not to play each other. And then, <laughs> uh, and then, like my winter is the better time. So uh, next year, I think real early is going to be when I when I do some stuff. I actually want to do the LVO, so that's a travel oh, okay. all the way to Las Vegas, which is a big thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's a singles and a doubles. I don't think there's a team, but there's a doubles. Um, and then Adepticon is probably yeah. like uh, America's greatest event, right? So I yeah. kind of would really like uh, to travel to that one. Um, yeah, I think we'll be able to make that one for sure. I don't know if they have a team tournament at that event. They might only have singles and doubles, but I know that uh, I know for sure. At least I will be more than willing to uh, attend a Depticon with you next year for sure. I mean, it's close by. It's not an unreasonable drive for any of us. Oh yeah, yeah. He's giving me the ring right now, so I think <laughs> that we're going to be a couple. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, any uh, final thoughts? Um. Well. Uh, for me, like, like I said, uh, I was a little nervous going into this tournament because, uh, you know, this is my first tournament event. Uh, I'd never been to anything of this uh, this high level of competition. Um, but as soon as I started rolling dice, my confidence was, was perfectly fine. And especially as the tournament went on and, uh, you know, we started doing pretty well, uh, not just on a team level, but even on an individual level, we were all doing pretty well. Um, my confidence has really gone up. Uh, I learned a lot uh, about my own skill uh, mm-hmm. and learned a lot even just about the uh, like the round pairings and how all that works um, and a lot of stuff to bring forward into our future games and future events and stuff like that so I for, for me personally this event really uh, really showed me the the potential that we have especially uh, you know to represent Windsor um, like we kind of mentioned before we don't exactly have the uh, the the largest player base of competitive players here. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, people are pretty friendly around here. Uh, so to go to something like this and really test test ourselves and perform as well as we did uh, gives, at least me personally, and probably all of us, really the uh, the confidence in that we can go to some of these other major events, big events like two hundred plus people events, and and at least do well and and, and gun for good results. Um, so that's what I take out of this event, and I'm really uh, really proud with how I did um, on an individual level, and just can't wait. I can't wait for my next tournament. It was such such a good time. Like I said, on and off the table. Uh, you know, made better friends with Wes and Ryan. And uh, just the experience alone was was just everything I wanted out of it. Yeah, uh, I'll go over uh, one. Uh, Tyrannids are overpowered. (laughs) (laughs) Which Wes had to write down on our pairing card, and I didn't notice until, like, what, like, round three or some shit like that? I don't know. I just noticed, I'm like, why is there OP written over on my Tyrannids? (laughs) Uh, Two, Marines need an update. Yeah, they need quarterly Jesus. updates for those who aren't aware. <laughs> Every time an army list gets updated, Marines should be at least equivalent or better. Um, <laughs> I can go into a lot of this, but uh, but all joking aside, um, tournaments are fun. Like, don't think that it's just a competitive atmosphere. It, all the players there were super super chill. 
Um, like we were drinking uh, early morning, <laughs> pretty much everyone. <laughs> 11 a.m. You know. we started. I, I, I played opponents that were probably half in the bag, so that helped me out maybe a bit. Um, helped me out drinking in the towel game too, actually. Um, but uh, it's not just competitive. I just want everyone to know that, uh, like, we won Best Painted. Hobby aspect plays a huge part. The Army lists that were there were amazingly painted. Uh, I would say 90, 95% of the people had display boards. It, it was, like, really amazing to see. Uh, I'm a hobbyist first, so I actually went around taking pictures. I wanted to discuss stuff. And there was lots of time for that and lots of time to make friends with those people. And, and I hope to see some uh, at more tournaments. Uh, I just want to tell people, don't be afraid. Because I think a lot of people are afraid to get out of their meta and, and, and playing uh, in their basement against one or two people. Uh, like, it's a beautiful world out there, the hobby, and, and to explore it and, and have fun. It's not... I think the competitive scene... Uh, and the word competitive often gets used uh, in a negative way, and it, and it totally isn't. Like, that was the, the one of the funnest Warhammer moments I had in years, to be honest. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and to kind of further that point, um, you know, you're right. It, though it is, I guess, competitive in the gaming sense, um, that should never deter anybody from wanting to become a better player. I mean, this is a game where uh, skill is a huge part of the game. And uh, there's lessons to be learned in every single game you play. Um, and I, I implore anybody to, to challenge yourself. Give yourself the opportunity to become a better player and a better hobbyist. And so you can see you know, how, how you kind of stack up to other people. Um, I know that the, the guy who won the individual best painted had just a beautifully painted Eldar army. Very crisp, clean. His display board was wickedly cool. He ended up taking like two like big Millennium Falcon toys and kind of stacking them on each other. And it, it looked like an Eldar-y kind of uh, terrain setup. Yeah, he even, put a platform he, on top. Yep, and, and then he, he had the uh, a portal, uh, which is just a cheap uh, one of those. Uh, like, 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 I don't even know. You, what you touch him and the light moves, kind of thing. Okay. Uh, and it was one of those, and it was just amazing. The display board definitely put him over the top. Yeah, just mind blowing. And and it's and it's seeing things like that that give you the incentive and the motivation to to want to improve, right? I mean, like after I saw something like that, I'm looking at my me going what else can I do to really up the ante you know which is why I said earlier like I really want to try and add the base work uh, you know add some dead marines here and there and add some freehand work here and there because uh, there's always ways to improve yourself no matter in every aspect of this game whether it be gaming hobbying or whatever there's there's always something that you can do to, to get better and I urge anybody to to not be afraid of that and to not limit yourself to uh, to list A or list B. I mean, uh, be flexible and be willing to open yourself up to new ideas and, and things of that nature. Uh, you know, in fact, even the magnetic paint idea that I had was one that was uh, uh, inspired from a guy here from our club, uh, Big J, gave me the idea to use the magnetic paint. And, uh, you know, something as simple as that goes a long way, right? I mean, I got a lot of really cool compliments from people uh mentioned that like wow it's a really good idea like uh, nobody thinks of little things like that and other players have similar ideas and you know you go around to an event like that you ask around like hey how'd you do that how'd you do this like what gave you that list idea or this or that right and there's there's so much experience at a place like that that you know 
don't be foolish and don't limit yourself to that opportunity. Take that opportunity, even if it's only once in your life. At least go and just try it out and experience it because you'd be surprised with how much you can really ascertain from something like that. Cool. Well, thanks a lot, guys, and thanks for repping the club. Our pleasure. Thanks. Take care. And we're back with Beyond the Rim. Um, in this segment, we always talk about other games other than 40K that we're, uh, that we're playing, playing currently. Yeah. Um, Miniature games, video games, role-playing games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. I've been playing a little bit of Division still. They didn't update a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of like fixed the end game because you would reach level thirty and that was it. Yeah, they, they added. Uh, what are they called? So it's called rankings now. So oh. you reach, you've reached level thirty, but now you find like better weapons that well, are like higher ranks. It gives you a gear ranking. Yeah, like all your gear now has rankings, and that's like yeah. better stuff, and that lets you go into like better areas. And incursions, I think, is the new like. Yeah, it's like rage from Destiny, kind of. Yeah. Um, where you have that like really high level gear to go do that, but I don't play the game enough to like because you really have to grind to get good gear, yeah. and I'm not a grinder. That's why I've always had trouble playing MMOs, which is strange that I liked um, Destiny. The no, the well Destiny I got bored of fast too because I realized oh this is the same map over and over. I'm doing the same mission, Eve. but Eve was grinding, and I only played Eve for like four or five months, I think. Yeah. But I was playing it every day, and it takes so much commitment to grind, man, that I just don't have that much time to play video games. Yeah. Um, and grinding sucks. But with, with Division, so. yeah, with Division, there was, like, so much to this game, so many missions throughout the single-player storyline that um, that you can play co-op and everything like that, that now that I've got to that grinding part, I just don't play it as much. Mm-hmm. But it's still a lot of fun. Like, if I can yeah. get a group of guys together, I do still enjoy playing that game. Yeah. Uh, but the free game for last month, I think, was Sunset Overdrive. Which was a launch game for Xbox One, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. Um, and, I don't know, when I saw the trailers for the game, I was like, this looks kind of cheesy. This looks a little kiddish. Not kiddish at all. So what is it? I haven't heard of it. So, it's kind of like a sandbox game. Like a okay. Grand Theft Auto. Okay. But, you play this, it's like post, not post-apocalyptic, but like, uh, this crazy disaster kind of just happened where like all these people were drinking this like new energy drink launch and it all turned them into like crazy monsters that are like very nergalesh and that like they're they, it's like an orange energy drink but it's all, all like bubbling orange and they all turn into like crazy monsters and shit mm-hmm. but the whole game is like uh i don't know if you're gonna know this reference other people on the podcast might is like jet set radio future where you're constantly like, grinding and like swinging on stuff oh. so it's like there on every street there's like guardrails on every street you like grinding on the power lines and stuff and as you're grinding past you're like shooting guys and like you you get better the better your score is so like you carry on a score as you continue to grind we say grinding like on a skateboard or something oh it's like that so you're like always and then if you're just running around on foot you're gonna get killed you're shit like that you need to be grinding to build up your score so it's like a very fast pace kind of like a tony hawk beats grand theft auto that's kind of the best way to describe Tony it. Tony Hawk means Left 4 Dead. Kind not of, but not, not dark. It's like a funny, but it's rude. Yeah. Like, you guys are swearing and stuff like that. It's like yeah. very violent. But it made my character look like me when I was in high school. <laughs> with like the long hair and the, and the glasses. And <laughs> so it's a pretty big trip. I haven't been playing it too much. And uh, my buddy and I that normally play video games together, uh, we tried the online the other day and the online shit. Yeah. But, um... 
the single player still fun. I, I will continue to play it just because it's fun to like grind around and do that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. You get that Tony Hawk feel, but you also get that Grand Theft Auto feel. Um, um, you've been playing a new video game. Yeah. Uh, well, I also have been playing Diablo 3, but uh, fuck talking about that. That's been out six years. Um, <laughs> which uh, but I, was, I was told to download it for Xbox One because another guy that I know has been playing that lately. But I don't know if I'll be able to get it. It's fine. It. Like, you can play co-op pretty yeah. easily. So I, I've been enjoying it, but I I don't know if I'll replay it or something. Yeah. Uh, but I also got Balfour Gothic Armada because mm-hmm. a friend of mine picked it up. And the, I don't know, I have really mixed feelings. But, oh, okay, well, the first thing, they've patched it, but I haven't played it since the patch. Mm-hmm. The launch was really fucking buggy. There were, like, some, not game-breaking things, but, like, it was, there were some things that made it, like, this is bullshit, that this yeah. wasn't fixed before launch. Like, I can't click, certain, when I click on certain areas of, like, the play area, it doesn't register because it's too close to the menu. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is fucking stupid. And in the middle of, a, like, a battle, it's pain. It's a pain in the ass to really? have to slow it down. Because if you're playing online, you can slow... If you're playing offline, you can slow it down. Oh, like, okay, s- yeah, yeah. Set up orders yeah. and stuff. And you can do that online, but it's limited. Mm-hmm. So if I need to slow down the game because of a glitch, that's bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, One thing that they nailed, though, is the feel of the game. Yeah, right like, on. All the armies... Feel like they're supposed to. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's only, was only four at launch. Space Marines are coming, but Imperial Navy feels like big, heavy Gothic ships. Lots of torpedoes. Good at ramming. Is there a lot of variety of ships in every army, or is it kind of just like your typical? Uh, well, it's hard for me to say because you need to rank up all of them to get oh, access okay, yeah, to it. Have to get access to new ones. Yeah. So, and I, I've mostly been playing Chaos and Imperium. Yeah. Um. No, not really. No. Like, just because I'm kind of looking at this as, like, this is probably a good prelude to what Battlefleet Gothic is going to be like when it comes back. Yeah, and I've never played the original Battlefleet Gothic, but my understanding is the ship variety, like, the different cruisers were different because they have, like, lances instead of torpedoes. Mm, and yeah. it's that case, so there's, like, six different Imperial cruisers, yeah. and they all look very similar, but yeah, they have yeah. minor changes. Mm, okay. So, if they don't variety, it's because it's very faithful to the game. Yeah. But it's a lot of fun, and it's... Even when you're playing online, you have your same fleet that if a ship gets destroyed, they need to rebuild it, so you can't use it for two turns. You That's level cool. up your ships yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah. with the game experience. And, and so it's oftentimes, if you're getting your ass kicked, it's better to warp your ships out than continue to fight to the bitter end. Right on, yeah, I like that. So, But I like the Eldar a lot. They, um, they, they, they look pretty cool. Yeah, they don't have conventional shields. The faster they're going, the less they, it's just really hard to hit them. Huh. So you need to keep them moving. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah, yeah. they'll just get torn apart because they're cool. super fragile. Yeah. But all their weapons, they don't have broadsides. They only fire out of the forward arc. So you huh. need to be facing the ships. Yeah, and so then, it's very much like like uh, strafing runs against ships and stuff. Yeah, yeah. you need to do hit-and-run tactics, which is very annoying to play against and doesn't suit my style of play. So that suits my style of play. Yeah. <laughs> so even though I like the Eldar, it's like, I can't play them. I need to play Imperials because they're very straightforward. Yeah, yeah, So that's what I've been playing. The campaign is okay. It's essentially just the multiplayer leveling with a story and a map strapped on. So okay, yeah. it's okay. The campaign's okay. But, like, I was just getting so frustrated with how buggy it was. And, like, oh, I just lost that ship because I tried to execute the rebelling captain. And I was clicking on the button and nothing was happening. Yeah. It's yeah. like, that's bullshit. That yeah, should yeah. be... That shouldn't be in a finished game. Yeah. There's enough early access garbage out there. If I'm paying full price for a game, then mm-hmm. fucking have it done. Yeah, I mean, try it so. with the update. I'd love to hear again next time. Yeah, yeah, sure. 
However, uh, we're going to talk a little Age of Sigmar. Yeah, so... Which, by the way, we get good comments about talking about Age of Sigmar. So, oh, well, luckily, we'll probably end up talking about it more. Yeah, <laughs> so apparently they're... So the uh, at the Langstaff GW, the guy runs campaigns, uh, 40k and Age of Sigmar, and he's got the... Um, Hextile thing. The GW up. Hextile, yep. Yeah, so he's got one map up there that has like little clusters of tiles as planets and they're all painted different colors. Mm-hmm. And then he's got a really cool island with that's shaped like a skull, little hex tiles around it for Age of Sigmar. Mm-hmm. And he's running one starting soon, so I'm like, okay, maybe I'll get an Age of Sigmar. And I've got high elves, but I'm trying to sell them, and I don't really want to do high elves. Yeah. That's what I liked as a kid, and I don't still don't like them, them now, yeah. Some of them I do, but eh. Yeah. And but like they're scale. also like an old like they still have that like static old pose whereas like a if you get into do. like a newer army that's been like redone yeah you're gonna get like all these like the nice new GW poses where they're that's more true. cinematic more movement to the models and yeah stuff. yeah definitely uh, so I really like Skaven I've always liked them like yeah. even back when you played them because I think they're really funny and mm-hmm. like just a really flavorful army so I'm thinking of doing a Skaven army which. Sorry, Jay, I'm copying you. You're no, you're doing a completely different Skaven army from what I'm... Well, you are... You're doing a similar Skaven army. Yours is going to be a summoning Skaven army. Yeah, that's what Whereas I'm Whereas mine is going to be a pestilent Skaven army with some uh, Nurgle demons in there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be... I mean, I'm sure I'm going to have a few, like, heralds and stuff that will summon mm-hmm. more demons, the ones that yeah, die. Yeah. But, like, it's not going to... Yours is a, here's my base of Skaven... And I'm going to be summoning demons that are coming towards you. Yeah. That's your tactic. Whereas not, my tactic is everyone's just coming towards you, deal yeah. with it, right? I'm going to run Corn uh, and Zinch, not Nurgle. Oh, so yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. yeah. if I do a Chaos Army, it's going to be Corn and Zinch, so mm-hmm. I figure I'll be able to. It'll be cool armies to run side by side in like doubles games. That's true. And I will yeah. say in Age of Sigmar, doubles games are so much fun. Okay. Yeah. So I need a couple of Graciers and maybe. Storm Vermin and then some guns yeah. and then Corn Demons to start. Yeah, right on. So, yeah, maybe like the Gaunt Summoner, I really like the model. Mm-hmm. It's pretty expensive, but it's a, such a nice model. Yeah, so many of the models are so nice. And the fact that you're getting into it is kind of, well, the fact that we're also running another campaign for Age of Sigmar at the yeah. store, I'm like, well, I haven't had the best experience with Age of Sigmar. Mm-hmm. I like to support the store and what it's doing, so I'm going to play it in the campaign. But also I realized that you can't just, like, while Age of Sigmar is supposed to be a fun game, right now there's no points uh, kind of values. But they are coming out with that. But you you still have to follow, like, you really have to break down the book and look at, like, what's good with, what combos can you put together. Yeah, That's yeah. how the game works. Individual units aren't always the best. It's units that affect each other, that spells that you can put on units and stuff. Yeah. And I didn't jump, like, just, I didn't jump in feet first last campaign. And mm-hmm. just, like, buy the stuff that I really needed to buy to be, like, full pestilence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to do that now. I'm going to buy the start collecting box and get those plague monks. And I think you said you're going to buy the start collecting box. Yeah, and give you the plague monks. And give me the plague monks. So I'll have 40 plague monks to start. And apparently 40 plague monks with, like, a plague priest is the best unit in the game. Oh, okay. The, not the best unit in the game. The most powerful unit in the game. Mm. They deal out something like uh, two and a half wounds per model if you have the full 40 man unit with the spells that you're supposed to have on them which is the most that like a model can yeah. put out a turn cool so uh, yeah yeah, I'll try and get a little bit more competitive in it and I'm excited to to paint the army because mm-hmm. it's not I'm not going to do like the degree of painting that I do on my 40k stuff it's really going to be a 
airbrush on the base colors yeah. and dry brush everything. Yeah, just do it. I really want to be able to pump the army out and like I'll, I painted all my scaven in two weeks and it's yeah. tabletop ready and it's not changing. Yeah, just quick and dirty. Yeah, like I'm just sanding the bases or doing grass on the bases and that's it. Yeah, I might... Oh, you know what? I'll probably just use like an Agrella Earth or something for my bases. Yeah, I was just thinking that too. After I said the, the sanding, I was like, well, why don't I just use the texture paint? It's way easier. Yeah. <laughs> I might do some fancy bases for the gray seers, but other than that... Yeah, for like I might go buy stuff. like some big 40 mil fancy resin bases yeah. for them, but... Yeah, man, yeah, I think the, in the future we're going to have a lot to talk about when it comes to Age of Sigma. Yeah. The other cool thing is um, I I've already was planning on getting Storm Fiends to run as grotesques for my Dark Eldar, so yeah. if I just magnetize the heads and the weapons, they should just be easy to swap out. Mm -hmm. And everything's on round bases now, which is sweet. So. Right on, man. So I'm pretty excited. I want to have like a coven of Gracie or Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really I think cool. your army's going to be really... When you told me the idea of your army, I was like, that's pretty boss. I, like I, that, I don't man. know. I've always liked Gracier's when I Their read... characters are so cool, man. You can eat warp stones yeah. before you cast spells. It's sick. I remember reading about the Skaven in the Gotrek and Felix novels, and yeah, they yeah. were so cool. I actually, with this campaign starting up in a few months, I really want to like go back and read some of that Skaven stuff just to get myself like pumped up to play Skaven. I've still got all those books. I yeah, just, right. I might, might read one or two yeah. before we... They also have a Pestilence book that came out that I might read just to get more of the Pestilence feel because that's yeah. where I'm going with it. Well, I want to go back and read, like, the old Skaven Army book and stuff mm -hmm. and yeah. just get the feeling for it. Yeah, right on. But, yeah, it'll be cool. I'm, I keep looking at the kits and, like, oh, with the Screaming Bell, I can summon a... Uh, what is it, a Vermin Lord? And Vermin then, Lord, yeah. I want to get box cards, yeah. And it's like, oh, that Bloodthirster kit is so cool. And I'm like, right, those are sets are like 110, 140 bucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're so. expensive models. But in that game, the most expensive models are usually really good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I'm summoning to the table, that's pretty cool, too. If you're taking the screen bell, it's almost like you have to have a Vermin Lord because if you roll box cards. And you don't have it. And you don't have it, it's like, well, that's, that was a waste of box cards. Yeah, but now, like. <laughs> Yeah, it's now it's like, oh, well, I'm starting a... How much money am I investing in Yeah, oh, game? no, I'm starting a $400 Skaven army. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Uh, is that it? Yeah, I think that's about it. So we'll be right back to close out the show. All right, so that was episode 13 of Wrong Side of the Maelstrom. Ooh, lucky 13 for the yeah. Skaven! This episode is uh, dedicated to the Horned Rap. Blessed be his petulance. <laughs> I love it. By the way, on a side note, I don't want to get into a full discussion about this because it's the closing of the show, but you know on the screen bell, if you roll a 13, you automatically win the game? Yeah. Well, there. if you're playing like in a campaign or multiple games or whatever, there's one thing that lets you change a die to your choosing. You should be able to get the 13 with that, damn it. I'm just going to, like, roll with But everyone's like, you can't turn a d6 to a to a 7 to get 13. It's like, go fuck yourself, buddy. I'm just going to make my own dice and have <laughs> one of them yeah, to 7 yeah, instead exactly, of 6. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, so support your local stores. It's important to uh, pay where you play. Yeah, I mean, there are, there's a bunch of stores that sell stuff for cheaper. I'm sure you can find cheap stuff everywhere. But if you're or continually online. going to a store, support that store, man. Spend spend some money there. Yeah, it's an expensive hobby. So, you know, if you need to buy stuff off eBay, like I do it too. But you know, We all I look all... for good deals. But it, regardless of deals, I still spend the money that I spend, like, at the store that I go to. Yeah. my I have a rule of thumb where, like, I say, like, okay, well, if I'm saving this much money, 
then okay, I'll buy it. But if I'm saving like less than 10 or 20 bucks, it's like, you know what? No. The, my brimstone's getting my money because I play it there all the fucking time. Yeah, definitely. So. Speaking of stores, Games Workshop and Young and Lawrence, awesome staff, awesome yep. people to go there. Like Jason. Like me, I'm not, goes, that, I'm not that awesome, but I go there. Yeah, he goes there a lot Saturdays to try and avoid that day. <laughs> <laughs> um, Don't come in, we have an awesome community. Yeah. Uh, Brimstone in Windsor is a fantastic store and pretty much the only place to uh, play 40k in the Windsor area. Also a great a group basement. of guys that play there too? Yeah, definitely. Um, they have a miniatures night on Tuesdays, so anytime after like 4 or 5, there's usually a couple of people there painting or playing. Uh, itoysoldiers.com, that's where you can uh, find the Greater Windsor Table Warriors that are mm -hmm. uh, located around Brimstone. Great group of guys, and I'm so sad to be leaving them. Um, but it's also a great online community. There's always good like uh, list discussions, and yeah. and it's a great place to post your photos of your models, and you're going to get some good critiques on them. Yeah, I'm going to post my list when I get back to Windsor, mm -hmm. when I'm at my computer again. My new uh, Dark Elder list, I mean. Mm -hmm. So we're also running the Finish Your Army Hobby Challenge right now. So if you go on iToy Soldiers, there's an event that's there. You can find it on our Facebook page, too. A link to it. So you can sign up for that event and post a list of models that you need to get painted by August. And then we're going to be running uh, events in Toronto and Windsor for, like, um, we're going to be playing with the fully painted armies. So they have to be completely painted and based to participate in the event. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have like trophies for best painted and maybe like most models painted. Most models and it doesn't based. have to be stuff that you, like it doesn't have to be only stuff that you've just started. Just it can be stuff that you're finishing. Like a lot of my guys already have like the base. Yeah, but the models that you can use at the event don't have to just be no, like models yeah. that you painted. It can be like the models that you painted for this army that you're going to use, right? Yeah, yeah. But the models you bring have to be fully painted. They yeah. don't have to be models you painted during the challenge, uh, but to qualify for, like, best painted, it needs to be a model from the challenge yeah. and stuff. And, like, most models paint, those have to be done in the challenge. Yeah, so. yeah. But uh, we don't have a firm date in August yet, but uh, even though I'm moving to Toronto, I will be hauling my ass back to Windsor to run that event. Yep. I already talked to Sean of Brimstone about it. We don't, like I said, we don't have a date, but... We'll get to date as we yeah. get closer to it. TBA. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash wrong side of the maelstrom. Also, share it. Yeah. Anyone that you think would like uh, likes Warhammer or likes people talking nerdy stuff. Yeah, get your uh, <laughs> gaming buddies in there. Get your mom, dad, sister, whoever. My mom likes it. Yeah, my sister <laughs> likes it. Uh, get your roommates to like it, even if you have to like hold my gunpoint, which is what <laughs> I had to do with my roommates. Every like helps, like though. Every like gets you more publicity yeah, exactly. on Facebook, apparently, so... Yeah. Uh, we also host it on SoundCloud, so if you're on SoundCloud, you can go there. The link's on our Facebook page. Uh, itoysoldiers.com slash wrong-side-maelstrom. I always post up a blog post for the event. I'm also going to, oh, I should mention that earlier. I'm starting a blog on itoysoldiers. Sweet. So every Wednesday, uh, my name's Thade on the site, so I'll be posting an article related to some sort of gaming, usually 40K, but also Edge of the Empire and... Uh, just general gaming. The first one's going to be about running an event. So it should be up there by the time this airs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, uh, you know, GWTW, that's the Greater Windsor Table Warriors. You can find them on Atoa Soldiers. Uh, Young Lawrence GW uh, Games Workshop has a Facebook page. So Yeah, a very active Facebook page, yeah, too. Yeah, like that. It's a good place to post if you're looking for a game. So, I'm Ian. And I'm Jason. And we'll see you on the wrong side of the mail.